episode of the Main Quest Podcast. This is, of course, the number one retro gaming podcast, strong enough to punch right through Diamond. Really puts into perspective how much it must hurt just getting punched by Johnny Cage. As always, I am your host, Keith. And tonight, tonight, today, uh, who knows when you're listening to this. I have a very interesting conversation up ahead for you guys uh, with Neil from the MK Pod Quest. And to tell you the truth, I mean, I, I talk about it pretty early on in the episode about how nervous I was talking with Neil. And I think uh, just his presence and the reputation that he has uh, online and through his own podcast, uh, it was a little nerve wracking. He's very sarcastic, typically. Uh, and I'm also incredibly sarcastic, so I, I think there's a lot of jokes that we both kind of missed <laughs> on our ends. So I think when we were both kind of going hard in the paint, uh, it was may have flown over each other's heads. Uh, I won't speak too much for him. Uh, maybe I'm just not fucking funny. It's very possible. Uh, but first, before we get into the show, of course, a little bit of housekeeping here. Uh, if you want to follow the show and uh, the stuff that's coming up, you can follow me on Instagram at the main quest, of course. When it comes to the podcast, I'm usually posting the schedule and uh, of what's coming up. And so you uh, have a chance to also play along and uh, the opportunity to tell me how wrong I am, how, how wrong my opinions are. And if one schedule isn't enough, how about another schedule? And that's a schedule for the Patreon in which I'm also due for the first round of shoutouts ever on the podcast. But first, if you do want to support the show, you can do so for only a dollar a month. That's it. Just a dollar. There's, of course, some other tiers there as well. And if you sign up at the $5 tier, you not only do get the shoutouts here, uh, but you also get access to two bonus episodes. Uh, and that is the in a Flash series, where I'm covering uh, the worst of the best Newgrounds, uh, early aughts Newgrounds Flash video games. And for the first month here on the Patreon, I'm covering Fry Osama Bin Laden. Hot, hot off of the events of uh, the, uh, you know, fuck it. I was going to try and come up with something clever and funny. Right after 9-11, you know, remember 9-11? Of course you didn't. That was the tagline. You have to remember. <laughs> um, and uh, I'll also be giving you guys a side quest episode on the entire Star Fox franchise. Well, sort of. We don't get to all of them. And of course, I was joined by Chris from a novel console on that one because he cannot stop talking about Star Fox. And so I was like, hey, man, you want an outlet? I I'll give you one. Uh, and then, of course... Uh, at the next tier, there is uh, seven dollars. Uh, if you want to sign up, you can hear me and Ryan, uh, formerly of Listoff, talk about video game movie adaptations, movie adaptations of video games. Uh, say it correctly one of these days, and we're kicking things off with 2002's Resident Evil. So all of those things are on the Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash the main quest. Now, as far as these shoutouts go, uh, because there isn't a single solitary original idea on the internet, I was like, fuck, what I'm about to do, something another podcast 
kind of does. It's the same, but different. Listen, me talking about retro video games on the internet is not a unique idea in of itself. So, you know what? Here we go. Today, because I am talking about Mortal Kombat, I'm going to give my patrons, uh, you know, fatalities. One of the biggest things, one of the biggest draws, and I think we touch on this a little bit in the episode, were the fatalities. You wanted to play the next Mortal Kombat game to see the fatalities. So, dear patrons, you're getting some fatalities assigned to you. And our first patron here is Eric Guess. And I'm telling you, I, I didn't even have to think about what Eric's fatality was. So his fatality is death by trampling. He's, he's going to go right over to the character. He's going to push Quan Chi down onto the ground and just stomp him the fuck out. Just until there's bits and pieces and 17 rib cages on the ground. <laughs> he's just a, he's just a mass of blood, guts, and rib cages. Next patron, Zero Sam. Which is that? Was, I'm not, I think that's a reference, a Samus reference. Uh, so Zero Sam is going to pull out a gigantic laser beam and fry their opponent to death. And the final shout out here uh, is Kayla Jackson. And Kayla's fatality is, um, you know, I'm going to give Kayla technically a fatality, but also what Mortal Kombat refers to as an animality. And so Kayla is going to turn into one of those uh, giant, uh, what are they called in Harry Potter? Uh, a hippogriff, if, if that's what I remember. So, so, so Kayla's going to turn into a hippogriff and grab the opponent and fly straight up into the air. And they're going to turn uh, their opponent into a giant rat and then rip them apart in her talons. And that's that's her animality slash fatality. It's really weird that they are separate categories, but both end in some pretty, pretty brutal deaths, which also brutalities are another separate category. Uh, it gets really weird. Anyway, thank you guys so much for jumping on board on the Patreon. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show. It really does mean a lot. And I look forward to doing some more shout outs as they come along. So anyway, yeah, Mortal Kombat. Not talking about animalities, not brutalities. We are strictly staying within the first game. This is a long one. This was the final nail in the coffin where I was like, I really should be splitting these types of episodes up into two-parters. Because Neil and I, we get in deep. We get in real deep and we don't even, we don't even really talk about the gameplay. This is the most non-traditional, this breaks tradition, I should say of the podcast. I mean, this is a first time thing and it's not to, you know, uh, discredit Neil or anything like that. He just, he knows his shit. This is like the perfect guest. This is what I wanted this episode to be, uh, because I, when it comes down to it, and I think I even talk about it later into the episode that when it comes to this game, there's not a whole lot to talk about with like playing the game itself you know but there's everything around it that's even more important uh so yeah he he brings the fucking heat i mean neil is the real fucking deal i didn't mean for that to rhyme but it does so anyway let's get into it enough of my rambling i hope you guys enjoy this conversation with neil and i on mortal kombat mm-hmm. 
because I will. I will swear 78 times this episode. If that's cool. Yes, absolutely. All right. It, it wouldn't be a normal episode if I didn't crack a dick joke at some point. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, it's it's totally fine. Okay. I assumed it was, but, you know, as a courtesy, just want to make sure. The bit I usually do is wait until we're like knee deep in the conversation and I've already sworn like 78 times. And then I say, hey, is it cool if I oh. <laughs> swear? You know? By the way, uh, you know, you, you're already going to have to go back and edit it if it's a no, but. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess since I'm already recording and this is a new format, uh, let's just jump into it. And yeah. I honestly can't think of a better person to have on an episode uh, like Mortal Kombat. Uh, then you, Neil, welcome to the show from, uh, from Mortal PodQuest. MK, Let's it again. MK Pod, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let me, let me just restart. See, I told you I was going to stumble over this, uh, this new intro thing here. <laughs> you know, I'm going to say leave it in because you are not the only person who has done that. Mortal PodQuest is that other show, isn't it? No, right? it's, you're thinking of Mortal Podcast, but yeah. he, he has called his show Mortal PodQuest when we've joined him for it. So, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let me not fuck this up. I, I've been on a, <laughs> a rash of doing that lately, too. Leave it in. Leave it in. <laughs> uh, let me formally welcome you to the show again for like the third time. <laughs> and that's, of course, uh, Neil from the MK PodQuest. Corey is not here. He is uh, actually, if you're listening to this episode right now and it is a full moon and you enter the cheat mm -hmm. code. He is a secret character and he'll he'll pop up in this episode. He is. You can find him at the bottom of the pit stage. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, welcome to the show, man. I, again, I can't yeah, think of a better person me. to even have on for this. You know, I can think of a few, but I'm glad you picked me. Honestly, <laughs> I, I mean, to be honest, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a little nervous right now. You know, like I, oh, I yeah. told you uh, just off air, I, I listen to you guys all the time and uh, you guys are very, very much into all sorts of not even just the the games and in fact i don't think you guys even touch on the games that often and on the podcast no that's kind of the point of the show we sort of started kind of as an uh an, an endorsed companion podcast to mortal podcast which is ben meckler's show all about you know game canon game lore right characters and stuff um but i approached Corey and i was like hey man you want to do a podcast about Mortal Kombat Conquest, the live action TV show from the from 98, 99? And he was like, sure, fuck it. Why not? And then we just wanted to keep it going. So the the show became let's cover everything Mortal Kombat. That's not the video games. Right. So we've been through Conquest. We're actually almost finished with a second run through of Conquest. We've been doing commentary episodes, which uh, mostly just an excuse for us to watch the show together. Not really like to be insightful about the show anymore. Um, but we've also done like the Defenders of the Realm cartoon series, the Mortal Kombat legacy uh, web series, all of the movies and the Journey Begins thing and all of the Malibu comics. We're, we're closing in on like, we're almost out of stuff, you know. But uh, yeah, our, our plan is to cover everything uh, unofficially official, like licensed Mortal Kombat stuff. What really made you guys want to just even get into that like you have to i assume you guys are already really into mortal Kombat. uh i i certainly was more than Corey. i've been a a fan my whole life obviously like everybody else there were periods where i was 
not big on the series, right? But you always it always pulls you back in at some point. So I'm that kind of fan where I just want more of whatever it is, right? So like the games alone weren't enough. So when they started making cartoon shows and live action shows and movies and comic books and that kind of stuff, if it's something that I'm into, like I'm going to like seek out as much content as I can. Right. So like I've got stacks of like, as another example, like I have, like I've been collecting all of the, the top cow Tomb Raider comics. Cause I'm a huge Tomb Raider fan as well. Or like the Alien franchise, you know, I love those movies. So like I'm also seeking out novels and comics and video games and just anything. I just, you know, I'm, I just want more of whatever it is. And then there's a lot of weird Mortal Kombat stuff from the 90s. So, yeah, I mean, as we're going to talk about it, I, Mortal Kombat was huge. It was uh, just tons of multimedia stuff covering yes. toys, action figures. Hell, you guys could have a series a series about those action figures. <laughs> uh, I actually have quite a few of those old um was it uh, Mattel or Hasbro, those G.I. Joe styled action figures? I have a ton yeah, of those. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out how to do an episode on it. And this is a tough one. This is an exclusive here because Corey lives in Canada. I live here in Florida. But we're trying to figure out a way to like do an in-person episode where we play the Mortal Kombat trading card game. Mm, which I have, two, I have two decks. I think I have a Melina and a maybe a Liu Kang deck and... I don't know anything about the game. I just have these as part of the collection. So, yeah, we're trying to dig deep. That might be, that might take like two years. Like we might just drop that in two years from now. <laughs> That's quite a lot of planning to do on your end. I know like tech wise you could do it. You could pull it off like through something like Zencaster or Zoom or something like that. Uh, probably yeah. would be as fun. Right. Well, I can't trust the guy. He's going to stack his that, deck. Exactly. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I um. One of your draws to your show for me personally was when you guys were first initially going through uh, Conquest, because I remember yeah. watching that after WCW sure, and, that's uh, what, on yeah. TN, I think it was like on TNT or something like that. And uh, I would always get yelled at because WCW always ran long. It'd like run until <laughs> like 1030 PM. And I was like, still, I was still in like, I think I was like in middle school or something like that. And my parents did not want me staying up that long. So I'd right. only catch maybe like the first 10 minutes of Conquest. And I was mm -hmm. always so like, so upset that I missed it. Yeah, man. And then I come a, back to it. Like, it's a fun, fun show. I come, well, <laughs> <laughs> fun in a lot of ways. Uh, but yeah, I, and then you come back to it 20 years later and I was like, uh, did I really miss anything? <laughs> well, my opinion, yeah, my opinion is it's legitimately a good show, honestly. Like there's a lot of cheesy, you know, it's 90s genre TV, right? Yeah, it's yeah. like, it's, it's, you know, 90s fantasy. It's like that Xena budget, warrior but, princess type of production. Yeah, that's a sweet spot for me, you know, <laughs> like okay. I, I do certainly have like an affinity for that kind of stuff and. I think it's a really fun show. It's weird because it's like a prequel to the 95 movie, right? It's part of the threshold entertainment, like the licensed media stuff. So mm -hmm. it's, it was, it's a technically an official prequel to the 95 movie. Um, but like completely different set of main characters and everything, you know, it's the story of the great Kung Lao in that right. universe. Uh, but they still squeeze like a ton of Mortal Kombat stuff in, right? Because like the Lin Kuei is still showing up. You still got Sub-Zero and Scorpion out there. Shao Kahn, obviously. But then like the a bunch service. of like these, yeah, Quan Chi, a lot of Quan Chi in there. 
But then just like weird new characters and creations, right? Like Vorpax and like Kriya and this like <laughs> army of, you know, they're not bug-like, but they breed like bugs, these Amazon women. <laughs> you know? I think one of the official descriptions actually describes the Koreans as aliens. So like before, like the show had one season and like by the end, they're already like, I don't know, let's bring a version of aliens into they're, this um, thing, you know? <laughs> There is there are bug creature like like I think Devora is that yeah. her name? Uh, yeah, she's but that's she's not um I forgot what her race is. Yeah, I can't pull that off the top of my head. But but I know it's not that. I'm a classic Mortal Kombat guy. It's not Korean. They they do make no, a reference to Koreans in um in the the Mortal Kombat ten comics as mm. a okay. As a uh, a race, like a, an outworld like tribe that was conquered by Reiko, I believe specifically Kaiten. Kaiten is what Devora is. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, which makes sense because that's just like, isn't that a word? Like Kaitenness, isn't that a descriptor for bugs? You got to talk me, about men. bugs. No, no, not Let's at get all. Into but it. you brought you you brought up the Mortal <laughs> Kombat movies, so I have to ask. Sure. Do you like the '95 movie better or the 2021? 100 percent like the '95 movie better. Same. Yeah. Same page. Thank God. <laughs> so I would end this podcast if you were like, no, I'm World 2021. The fate of billions will depend upon you. <laughs> Sorry. Now, I want to be clear. Like, I, I don't, I, I have no expectations for that 2021 movie. So, like, I was pretty unsatisfied with it when I first saw it. Right. Like, it, it like, I get they did the, our rating and the blood and the fatalities and all of that kind of stuff. That wasn't necessarily what I was there for, you know, cause I, you know, I watched the 95 movie and the conquest series and that kind of stuff. And that's all, that's all very bloodless. Yeah. But like having with some distance, I was able to go back and just kind of watch it for what it was. And it was pretty fun, but still no, not a, not a classic, not like the 95 movie at all. Mm-hmm. And I would never call it a good movie, you know? No. Yeah. Same, yeah. same. But it's fine. Really good cast. Pretty good special effects. You know. Here's my hot take. I would rather watch Mortal Kombat Annihilation over the 2021 (laughs) movie because that thing is a beautiful disaster and at least it'll be entertaining because I'll be laughing at it. (laughs) Nobody. Yeah. You can't say that annihilation isn't entertaining it certainly is that <laughs> yeah absolutely suckers yeah. like what? I think, yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> i think i would take that over over uh 2021 also i watched sure. 2021 three times yeah because i i saw it in the theater and then i was uh just kind of lurking on the internet seeing what people were saying and a lot of people were talking about how good it was and I'm mm-hmm. like, did we watch the same movie? And so I watched it like <laughs> two more times just to see if I was crazy. And I was like, no, I think this movie sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so. I think I've watched it. I think I watched it like six times. I think I watched it four times like out of the gate because I was just trying to figure out how I felt about it. Right. Mm-hmm. I have this. Um, I probably made this comparison on on my show that I compared it to like the first Alien versus Predator movie. Where I was like, there's something about this that I'm supposed to like, because there's cool stuff going on, but yeah. it's just not, yeah. it's not what I wanted, right? So I'm just like, just, I don't know, just going back, trying to see if I missed something. I didn't miss anything. It's not a very good movie. And then all of a sudden, Jeff shows up, or whatever the <laughs> hell that guy's name was. 
uh, Cole. We're talking about twenty one. Oh, right, Cole, Cole. Yeah, Cole. Cole Young. I was about you to know, call him Cole Sprouse, but I think that's the guy from Riverdale. Famous Mortal Kombat fighter Cole. Um, yeah, that was a misstep. <laughs> my my opinion on that is that it, they should have just made Sonya and Jax like the the audience surrogate, right? Yeah, because it's the same. Like they're there, Earth realm. They discover this mystical stuff. They get kind of dragged into it, and like they both still have to like earn their arcana or whatever. So they had the same exact I story. About the arcana shit. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to remind you. <laughs> but they essentially have the same track as the Cole Young character, but they just they just have it in the background. Like I don't know. I think that like they I think they're a pretty interesting gateway in to Mortal Kombat in general because they're just sort of they're humans yeah they're humans and like they're you know they're soldiers right right but then they're faced with this threat that like maybe their guns aren't that good at dealing with you know it's a fucking ice ninja what (laughs) right yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) has there been anything that you guys had to watch or cover that was like painful like it was hard to watch uh jeez Yes and no. I'm pretty forgiving of stuff overall, right? But there's certainly things I don't want to go back and visit. Defenders of the Realm, the Mortal Kombat cartoon, was not great. You know, it's, I mean, <laughs> if make it, if turning Mortal Kombat into a PG-13 movie was enough to, like, get some people, like, worked up, like, cutting it down to, like, a cartoon series, right, for children... Like it's, you're nerfing it even more, right? Like you're really, really watering it down and the writing wasn't great, but it did something interesting where it crossed over with three other cartoon series by way of this uh, character that traveled through, through these different series is uh, chasing his magical orb. This is called oh, the Warrior King yes. Saga. Yes. Yes. Right. This all vaguely sounds familiar. I'm sorry. I keep going. Yeah. It's a really, it's a, fascinating thing because like his his appearance in the mortal Kombat episode is non-existent right like so so the four shows are the street fighter cartoon that was sort of based off the van damme movie right where it's just gi joe and that's kind of a rough show to watch um the savage dragon cartoon based off the image comic i guess still ongoing but that started in the 90s eric larson's comic book about a dragon man who's a cop the Mortal Kombat Defenders of the Realm cartoon, and then the Wing Commander Academy cartoon based off the Wing Commander series. And this Warrior King character voiced by, I don't know the guy's name. Are you a Star Trek guy? Not really, no. Worf, okay. You knew, you know Worf in I do know Worf, yes. Next Generation. The guy who plays him voices the Warrior King. Okay. Sorry. Apologies to all the Trekkies out there. I don't remember the guy's name. Uh, Michael something, I think. I don't anyway. know the cross section of my audiences with, with Star Trek and, uh, and Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah. Mortal Kombat. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So Warrior King's a character in like the street fighter episode. He's a main character in the Savage Dragon episode. Uh, you get to the Mortal Kombat episode. He's not in it at all. He just appears in shadows at the very end of that episode, chasing his orb through a portal. <laughs> and then he's a character in the wing commander episode. Street Fighter cartoon's fine, right? Defenders of the Realm, we weren't feeling it at that time. The Wing Commander cartoon was really fucking good. Like, better than the movie? Good. According I would to hope Wing, it's better. That movie's a low bar. I haven't, seen the, see, I haven't seen the movie. I've seen the beginning of the movie. I own the movie. 
But uh, according to like Wing Commander fans, yeah, the cartoon's way better than the movie. Yeah, yeah, that's a low bar. Yeah. Um, but man, that Savage Dragon cartoon was real fucking bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing that like I haven't had the urge to like go back and revisit. Like, yeah, that's not even a Mortal Kombat thing, but still, it, it's related, right? But like that was that was trouble to get through, and it's the only thing like of those. Uh, three non-Mortal Kombat series is that I haven't been curious about checking out more of was that fucking Savage Dragon episode. Well, steering in the direction of video games. Um, sure. Because we're already 20 minutes in. Uh, this is how <laughs> this is how it goes sometimes. <laughs> uh, but just like in general, like when, you know, d- did you grow up playing video games? Like when did it all begin for you? All right. So I, I don't think I like... I don't think I really started playing video games until I was in uh, second grade and I got my Sega Game Gear. Yeah. Like we had an NES in the house before that and my brother had a Game Boy. And at that point, by that time, he might have had a Super Nintendo also. Um, I don't remember him being a super heavy gamer either, but like I would play, we would play like Street Fighter 2 or whatever, right? But uh, when I was in second grade, I got a Sega Game Gear for Christmas. And that's what like kicked off gaming for me largely. Like prior to that, if I was playing like Mario on the NES, I was the kid like moving the controller to like <laughs> jump over the gaps and stuff. Because I, yeah, it was like, it gave me anxiety playing games at a young age. I don't know. Yeah, I settled in with Game Gear, like Sonic Games and um, G-Lock was a big one for me. G-Lock. I'm not too familiar yeah. with the the Sega Game Gear. Yeah. It's library. like um it's like Afterburner but like you're in the cockpit, you're not following behind the plane. It's just like a basic like shooting down planes and stuff. Yeah, and then uh, uh along came Mortal Kombat in that batch also. So yeah, I was a Sega kid. So Game Gear led me to Sega Genesis maybe a year or two later and then I was the only kid in school with the Sega Saturn and then the Sega Dreamcast, you know, like I was just a Sega kid all the way. I had a 32X for a minute there. I actually had two of them, but I sold those in high school to get a Sega Master System and start collecting that. So that is quite the twist. I was going yeah. back to what you just kind of just said. I, I was going to ask you about the Sega Saturn because on your show, you guys yeah. always drop hints to the Sega Saturn. And I'm always like, yeah. what the fuck is up with that? Well, <laughs> like, I think I've spoken to a lot of people who have said to me, you're the only person I've ever known who had a Sega Saturn. Like to this day, we're out here. Tell me that. And I watch out. You got, you got one too. Hail Saturn. Nice. Praise Saturn. Praise Saturn, not Hail Saturn. I'm fucking it I up. Got, you, <laughs> you can't see it in the camera. I've literally, I got mine hooked up to a TV right next to me here. Nice. Yeah. I've got this little, uh, What's on here? Do you got a mode in there? Uh, a mode? Uh, optical disk drive. Uh, no. You can load, load games onto it. I do not. I haven't done any mods to any of my hardware, uh, actually. Okay. I'm kind of a purist. I have oh. nothing against people who do that, and like I've been considering it because like discs are eventually going to stop you, reading. Yeah, what are you know? talking about? That's, that's just in case the, like, the laser, the disc reader goes out. Right. <laughs> but but like, the Sega Saturn is a tank, man. Like They don't make consoles like that anymore. You know, no, I got my Dreamcast, my Saturn, my Neo Geo CD, a PlayStation 2 and a 360 all hooked up on this TV next to me on my desk. And then a Retron 5. Nice. Okay. Yeah. With the master system. All uh, I know is 
once I start digging into my Sega Saturn library, you will be the third reoccurring <laughs> person I'll have on the show. Sure, yeah. <laughs> There's going to be a, yeah. a, a rotating cast of people uh, between three people that I know nice. who have I'll a Sega Saturn. I, gotta, I, I love collecting for the Saturn. I mean, some of the, like the, like, I don't have like the Magic Knight Ray Earth and like the super, like, I don't have Panzer Dragoon Saga, right? I mean, who does? But, I mean, unless yeah. you're emulating it because that thing's like $3,000. Yeah, I'll get one one day. I actually have a Japanese copy of it, but um, oh. I can't really read Japanese, sure. so it sure. doesn't do me much good. And it's like, okay, do I spend $3,000 on a U.S. copy or do I just start trying to learn how to read Japanese? You could just do what I did as a kid and just hit buttons until you figure it out. <laughs> I could, but I feel like I'm, I'll be missing something. Like, I won't be getting the full experience if I do that, but yeah, I love my Sega Saturn. Um I got all the Mortal Kombat's for that, two, Ultimate Three, and Trilogy. They're actually on a uh, that shelf there in the background. We're on camera; listeners can't see this. Yeah, but. it's not a visual medium, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> so, with that, uh, I have to ask you, and I ask all first-time guests. Sure. What is your favorite game of all time? Yeah, I've been thinking about this all day. I'm going to give you maybe three. I think I can nail it down to like three. And I don't know what order I'm going to put these in, right? Um, I think as a kid, definitely, speaking of the Sega Saturn, my favorite game was Nights into Dreams. And that's still one of my favorite games. I actually was just playing that last week. Um, I think it was the, I, I was the sort of the re-release, the Steam version that came out, I don't know, like a decade ago at this point. But um, that was a, that was a huge game for me. That was the reason I wanted a Sega Saturn was because that game looked like a lot of fun to play. But uh, then I got the Sega Dreamcast, and Skies of Arcadia is probably one of my favorite games of all time. That game's brilliant. Um, I'm like a medium RPG player, you know? I played a bunch of them. It's not like my go-to genre. There's a whole bunch of that I haven't played. Like, I haven't played a lot of the Final Fantasy catalog, for instance. But uh, Skies of Arcadia was just like a, an incredibly memorable game, and I just found everything about it satisfying. Uh, I have the the Dreamcast and the GameCube version, and then um, my other, if I had to pick a third, which you didn't ask me to do, but I am making myself, uh, Metal Slug. Metal nice. Slug is an incredibly fun game. I played all of them, but that first one is just like first one's pretty great. Perfect. Yeah. 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 Whenever I find, like, if I'm in a barcade or something and there's a, like, an MVS cabinet, I'm checking for Metal Slug. And if it's there, I'm fucking playing it and dragging whoever's with me to play it, too. It's a great, great two-player game and just a, a good, good time waster. I'll say I did not expect Nights into Dreams. I, I didn't. Yeah. That, personally, that is a game that I, I haven't played. My only f familiarity with it is um, it, that one portion in Sonic Adventure. Oh sure, yeah. In which I think it was like the casino level, where like yeah, there's a pin, there's a knight's pinball machine, right? Yeah, yeah, and you're going through like this huge section of one of the worlds or something like that. And right. uh, I remember just seeing it as a kid, through. and I'm like, "What is this LSD acid trip <laughs> I've just <laughs> yeah. went on? Yeah. I have no it's idea a, what's going on." It's still a really fun game, and like the music's great, and you know, obviously the graphics are pretty darn dated, but at the time it looked amazing and. Yeah, gameplay is really fluid. I think it still holds up way better than that Journey of Dreams, the Knight's Journey of Dreams Wii sequel. That uh, that wasn't very good. No, yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I can only imagine. Yeah, probably it wasn't bad, some, but it, um, 
weird motion controls, no doubt. Uh, I think you could play it with classic controller because I played everything I possibly could with classic controller. I hated motion controls, but like they made the character of Knights talk and gave him like a really bratty attitude. And that was pretty frustrating. And then there were whole sections of the game where you're just not even playing as Knights. You're just walking around as the kids and they were really like poor platforming segments and stuff. Just not a good, not a good experience. So you were uh, all in on the on the Sega hardware. Oh yeah. But I, I don't uh want you to think you can get away with me not asking you why you got <laughs> rid of all of that for a master system of all things. <laughs> oh no, sorry. Let's just be clear. I got rid of a thirty two X collection for a master system. I didn't get rid of everything. Yeah, to be fair, I mean the thirty two X for a master system's not a bad trade off, actually. Right. And I actually <laughs> yeah. And I actually found that I still have a master system. Or sorry, sorry. I still have a 32X. Like I do have one. You just can't get I, rid of those damn things. I, they're just, they <laughs> fall out of like boxes and like, <laughs> they're just everywhere. Um, no, I traded in like, but all my games and I traded in the one. I thought I only had one. Apparently I picked up another one along the way somehow. I have no software for it, but I traded in like, I don't know. I had six games, which is probably half the library at the time. Amongst them, Mortal Kombat 2. Um, which I'm really wishing I had because that was a really good version of the really good port of the game. Uh, yeah, and I got a Master System and I got a Master System because I loved, like I wanted to relive the Game Gear experience, right? Because the Game Gear was basically modified Master System guts, right? Right. right. Um, lower resolution, like, you know, screen size and that kind of stuff, but... A lot heavier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and you had to feed it six AA batteries to play for an hour and a half or whatever. Um, but my game gear died. Like the, they all do. The screen went out, the speaker went out. Like, so I was like, well, you know, I should just get the master system console. It was a game store at the mall, like a used game store at the mall. And I just did a big batch of a trade in and picked that up and got like, like five or six games. Cause they didn't really like, no one was after it at that time. So I got, I collected a pretty large library of master system games before collecting for that thing really took off back when everyone was just like, this is just junk, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so that's probably my favorite console to collect for. Oh, that's cool. I, yeah, I actually have the Master System, the European-only Master System version of Mortal Kombat as oh, well. Oh, shit. Oh, you did yeah. mention you wanted to talk a little bit about that. Um, I do. I know there's not a lot to say, um, but we'll get we'll, we'll find a way to naturally work it in. Yeah, let's... Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, if you're ready to go, let's uh, jump into our personal experiences with uh, yeah. the game in question. I'm ready to go. Mortal Kombat.
Hey everyone, this is Chris Copleen from the Retro Hangover Podcast. Right now, we are running a series called The King of Games 1992 that features Keith from the Main Quest Podcast. The show you're listening to right now is one of our guest members. All the big games of 1992 worldwide clash to claim superiority of classic gaming and nostalgia. Come over to our show, which you can find on any podcast hosting service of your choice, or go to linktree slash retrohangover, linktr.ee slash retrohangover, and see who takes the crown for the the most important game from the year What is I'm just going to keep on pummeling you with questions. What's your history? What's your history with Mortal Kombat? My history with Mortal Kombat. Um, you know, as I kind of mentioned, I wasn't huge on gaming as a kid, like up to a certain age. And like around when I got that Game Gear is probably around when I became aware of Mortal Kombat, because I think along with getting a Game Gear, I also got a subscription to Game Pro magazine. And the first issue I got, and it might have even been like a promotional issue just like sent to my house that I hadn't, you know how that used to happen, right? You just get a magazine. Yeah, there are things like, that like, like the uh, uh, VHS copy of um, Defenders of the Realm. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know how the hell I got that at my house, but it was just there. What's it doing in this box with all these 32 X's? <laughs> right, yeah. Um, well, I got this copy of game pro magazine in the mail and the cover of it was mortal Kombat 2 and that's probably what really like made me aware of what mortal Kombat was and i can't remember if it was like a cover story on the arcade version or on the home version that was coming you know but then like suddenly like looking at that in the magazine i finally understood what all of those advertisements on the back of marvel comics were for right which was for mortal Kombat, and it seems like just suddenly in like second or third grade whenever that was all of my peers instantly were like, have you heard about this Mortal Kombat thing? And the game had been out. Like, we're talking Mortal Kombat 2's coming out at this point. But, like, suddenly we were all just obsessed, like, overnight. You know, like, there was just, like, a mass awakening. We had been living in a bubble, a non-Mortal Kombat bubble or something. So, GamePro, huge part of my youth. Um, read all the features about the Mortal Kombat games. Read, like, the code sections where they would talk to you about, you know, blood codes and fatalities and all of that that stuff and at some point yeah and at some point i got the game gear version of mortal Kombat from a friend and i am like 80 percent sure that game is the one that's still in my collection to this day the game gear version of mortal Kombat. yeah but that was my first mortal Kombat game was game gear mortal Kombat one and i had nothing to compare it to right so i thought it was pretty fucking great um, there's a blood code in that version and the master system that I didn't know about until maybe five years ago. Like I went that long playing this bloodless eight bit version of mortal Kombat without knowing that if you press two, one, two down up, you can get the blood in the game. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but it didn't matter cause it was fun. Right. And like, yeah, it was yeah, all, yeah. you know, it was game gear. So it was single player all the time, but 
take it over to friends' houses and stuff. And we'd just trade back and forth and try to figure out how to do the special moves and fatalities and things like that. We could, everyone could do scorpions, right? And then at some point, um, at a friend's house, I got to play the Sega Genesis version, right? And I knew at that point, I knew what the blood code was because again, I had all those issues of Game Pro magazine and I was able to input, I want to say it was, we're just going to put a name out there. I'm pretty sure it was at my friend Scott Sweet's house. So don't dox him. (laughs) Yeah. Scott Sweet, if you're listening, um, I haven't talked to you in like 20 years. Hope you're doing well. But uh, I I was able to like input the blood code and everything. And we just had a, a blast playing that game, me and whatever friend this was. And it was like a totally different world. You know, the graphics were so much better than I was used to on my little game gear. The sound was, I'm sure I thought it was better at the time, right? Mm. <laughs> As yeah, an adult, right. uh, pretty lousy. But, uh, you know... I like I got the full experience and then I was just off to the races with Mortal Kombat, right? Once Mortal Kombat 2 copies started like ending up at friends' houses, we were playing those all the time. Um, yeah, it just became a, a phenomenon, you know. Yeah. 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 I wish mine was I wish my experience was a little more romantic. <laughs> um I I grew up in uh, a relatively religious household. Okay. Uh some things would enter that my brother is nine years older than me. So some things would enter the house oh, man. Uh, secretly. And Mortal Kombat was one of those games that entered the house secretly. Yeah. And eventually my, I don't know what the circumstances were, but eventually my mother found out that my brother had the game because of all the controversy surrounding the game. Cause I'm sure, yeah, you know, my mom heard Oprah talking about it <laughs> <laughs> or something. Oprah and Joe Lieberman. Exactly. And, uh, hey, Wisconsin's <laughs> very own Herb Cole. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, she was like, all right, I don't know where you got this, but you keep it away from your brother, me. Mm-hmm. But of course, my brother and I were sharing a room and I would see him play it, you right. know, because my yeah, brother was just yeah. like, oh, I'm just going to play this whenever I, whenever I can. And of course, I'm around, you know, so. God bless older brothers, right? I'm pretty sure it was one of my older brother's friends who like brought Super Nintendo version of Mortal Kombat 2 over and I got to play that for the first time. Like older brothers are were heroes in the nineties. Well, and then like obviously my brother was caught playing it while I was also, you know, around sure. him. Uh so that also caused uh caused an argument. But me being as young as I was, I was like well, if he's getting in trouble for playing this game, like it's got to be really fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to play it now. Right. It's funny how that works, right? Yeah. And, you know, I've talked about my, my childhood friend Max on the show plenty of times. And Mortal Kombat was one of those games we would always try and get our hands on because we could play it at his house. Uh, okay. Because his family, they immigrated from Russia. Sure. So they didn't really know or care about, like, the issues Americans had with pop culture or right in some areas of pop culture. So they were totally, you know, they didn't understand any of that. So he was able to pick up mortal Kombat Sometimes he also had an older brother and occasionally we would get to play at his house. And it was, I just remember there was nothing like it. Like I, yeah, there was some, it was so life at the time very lifelike seeing these like actual people on screen oh yeah yeah 
and it getting kind of like uh i mean me and my friend didn't really know how to pull off a lot of the moves you know everybody knows like sub-zero's freeze and scorpion spear but mm-hmm. beyond that some of the other moves were uh, a little tougher for us to pull off not to mention the fatalities um oh yeah which you know obviously uh we would get better at those you know with mortal Kombat 2 and 3 as as the series went on there was there was a bit of anxiety or, or kind of like this childhood childhood like uh skittishness to like losing to the computer right because yeah. it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. the fatalities were like the ultimate fuck you and because it because <laughs> it, it's so quaint i keep on saying it looked so real but it did at the time it was kind of like frightening in a weird way because you're just like, i don't want this to happen to me right <laughs> and i don't yeah. want to know that like i definitely lost uh, because every <laughs> once in a while like yeah the computer it, it wouldn't happen all the time but every once in a while the computer would perform a fatality and you're just like fuck i re- yeah i remember i was a little bit the opposite when? I just wanted to see him, right? I didn't, so like, I would, I would just like sometimes like start a match and just not do it. Just let the computer whoop my ass in the hopes that there would be a fatality or a stage fatality or something. Like, I just wanted to see it, you know? And yeah, I don't know what that says about me. You know? <laughs> I, I think it was just like, I just, uh, I think part of it was not wanting to lose. And I think, uh, the, the fatalities were just kind of like, a really rubs it in yeah yeah basically and yeah it's something as a as a catholic child i was like i don't know if i want to see this like this is <laughs> this is bad uh sure <laughs> but you look at it now and it's just like yeah it, it's so comical at this point it's nothing like the newer games which is right. like you know some of the the uh programmers you know talk about how they have like ptsd having to yeah those games i mean the new the new ones it is there is still like a silliness to it right but yeah i don't think that they need to be striving for as much realism as they are you know what i mean like yeah i know the stories you're talking about with you know people having to like look at like actual cadavers and like accident victims and things like that to see like what's going on inside and yeah, I don't know, guys. Like, you, better it was better when we were using our imaginations a little bit, for sure. You know. Yeah, pull back a right. little bit. Maybe just hire like Tom Savini to come in and work these things up for you. You know. Yeah, yeah. Lord knows you've had you know Freddy Krueger and Jason and <laughs> yeah in some of these games, so it's like you may as well have a yeah let's, uh, let's a bring makeup artist on on set or whatever yeah on set they don't do it's all they don't do well, they st- real actors anymore <laughs> i mean they do they do motion capture does that count as a set right i think that counts counts as a set they're they're actually pulling out people's spleens and putting the little balls on, on the <laughs> <spleen>. <laughs> yeah that's the real yeah they don't tell you that part they have killed so <laughs> many actors <laughs> and then i don't know about you but there was um and part of this could have been a game pro. In fact, I think there was a game pro article I just saw by happenstance like a few months ago mm-hmm. about fake Mortal Kombat characters. Oh, interesting. But like magazines were totally in on all of the rumors surrounding all of these games. And I remember right uh, back in the day, my friend telling me about like fake characters and fake fatalities and like 
nude cheat codes or something for Sonia. Like, yeah, I remember that. Um, Melina and Katana, like that was a Mortal Kombat two rumor, right? There was a, there was a lot of those. Actually, I've been um going through the David Craddock Long Live Mortal Kombat book, and I think he touches on some of those things in that, like all the rumored stuff surrounding the games, you know. Yeah, man. But like when you build secrets into your game the way that they do, people are going to be like, what else is in here? You know, exactly. That's the thing, too, is because the developers played into that a lot. And so it didn't help that they almost also encouraged a lot of magazines to kind of play into it as well. Right. Uh, So it's uh, yeah, it it was a slippery slope. It always just kept you guessing. There was that classic. Was it EGM ran as the ones who like pranked everybody with like the Shenlong rumor in for Street Fighter, Fighter 2 that didn't just, you know, it Capcom then just sort of like took that and ran with it for Akuma, right? Some, I believe so. My yeah. Street Fighter knowledge is very thin. Very, very thin. I got some Street some Street Fighter knowledge. Yeah. I mean, growing up, I was, I mean, this was the game, basically. I was a Mortal Kombat guy. I played Street Fighter 2 mm-hmm. uh, back in the day. But never, um, I mean, I just talked about it on my Primal Rage episode. Street Ooh. Fighter 2 just never, never clicked with me. It never clicked with me. Yeah. And then I didn't come back to that franchise until Street Fighter 4, which was like 2008 or 9 or something like that's, that. That's not a good one. <laughs> yeah, and I still couldn't, <laughs> still couldn't get into it, so. Yeah, I know this isn't a Street Fighter podcast, but I had a Street Fighter phase. And 2 never, like I'm. Two was fine, you know, but like I got really into the Alpha series and the uh, Street Fighter Three games and like the Capcom SNK crossovers. And I remember being like a snob about Mortal Kombat at that time, right? Because I was like, these games are just so much more complex and there's are better than Mortal Kombat. Uh, at the end of the day, Mortal Kombat as a series, way more fun for me than the Capcom fighters any day of the week. Like I still love them, but like they're not, they, they didn't really get in the way Mortal Kombat did. Well, I mean, you say it's not a Street Fighter podcast, but it's hard not to bring up Street Fighter when you're talking about Mortal Kombat. I mean, they were sure, yeah. direct competition. It's like not talking about Mario when you're talking about Sonic, right. vice well, versa. Like they were they were competition, but like I feel like for Midway, it wasn't like a Coke or Pepsi situation. It was like Coke or Dr. Pepper, you know? Yeah. Like, Well, I, reading yeah. up on on the history of this game which i mean we can dive into development history since we're kind of getting into it but ed yeah ed boone and, and john tobias they did not set out to be a direct competitor to street fighter at all they no. just wanted to make their little kung fu game you yeah. know they i don't even think they wanted to i guess they they had it they had the idea for it but it wasn't even like a high profile title for williams midway at the time it was like a filler game right yeah, yeah, they they basically had a slot in their schedule before NBA Jam, and they're like, right. "Didn't you guys want to make it, make a game or something?" And they're like, uh, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." And you're like, "Well, all right, we'll make it happen." Yeah, <laughs> you know, have it out by this date. Go for it. Yeah, team of team of four people, <laughs> dude. Yeah, that's. I mean, there's some indie games that have more people than that yeah. <laughs> these days. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so Mortal Kombat was developed and published by Midway, as we just said. Yes. It's a little bit contentious because there are multiple names all over these games. Right. Uh, depending on what versions you're playing. So it's it's a huge mess. But for uh, 
sake of brevity here, we'll just say it right. was Midway. Yeah, it's a mid, it's a Midway game. Sure. Williams acquired Midway and took on the name, so it became a Midway game. Yeah. But the Genesis port was Yeah, the Genesis a, a claim. port <laughs> developed by Probe, published by Arena, who was a subsidiary of Activision or of Acclaim, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Like and then the SNES version was sculptured software. I'm not sure if they had a sub developer. Yeah, it gets a little messy. Sure, it's on the fucking, home versions. Yeah. You know, Midway wasn't in the business of of home ports; like they were just arcade centered. So, I, right. I believe they had given a claim, like a first look deal, right? Like any arcade game we make, we'll show it to you first if you want to do a home conversion before we shop it to other people. And uh, just mentioned the the two the biggest names behind the series: uh, Ed Boon and John Tobias. Yes, uh, created and programmed it. You know, I talked, I just mentioned Primal Rage. Uh, you know, I just did that episode like t- two months ago at this point. Because on Primal Rage, I, I mentioned, I-, I talked about the digitized sprites. I vaguely talked about the fatalities in that game. And, and those aspects I kind of glossed over because I knew that this episode was going to come up. Mm-hmm. But even those factors, and I guess just speaking to the digitized sprites in Mortal Kombat, a lot of the stuff in this game is just kind of like a soup of things that already existed. <laughs> oh right? God. Yeah. You know, I, t- I talked about how like Ed Boone and John Tobias just basically wanted to make this little Kung Fu game, but there's right. like so much stuff in Mortal Kombat that is so much of like the pop culture of the time. Yes. Like a lot of their influences were from like Kung Fu movie, Kung Fu movies and sci-fi. Right. And some of it is very much like on the nose. Like when you look at Johnny Cage, even as a kid, yeah. uh, me and Max loved watching Bloodsport. Oh, yeah. So when we got to Mortal Kombat right. <laughs> and we saw Johnny Cage, we're like, well, that dude's dressed up just like Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and he's a mo- oh, and he's a movie star? Okay. All right. Right. Exactly. Right. So it's like a lot of the stuff is very much on the nose. But then when you look into the lore, the, the, if you dig real deep, mm-hmm. uh, you also see a, a whole bunch of other influences in the story right. as well. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Enter the Dragon. That's uh, a huge inspiration for this game, right? Um, right. I mean, they absolutely borrowed things. I mean, Raiden is just straight out of Big Trouble in Little China, you know? <laughs> like, yes. Yeah, there's yeah. a ton of, yeah, a ton of things. Um, and they wanted to, uh, they, when they were doing the digitized actor route, like they were trying to get Van Damme to be in the game, right? I've heard that, uh, they always wanted to do, they were, they were trying to do like a licensed Universal Soldier game or something for a minute there. And they were really trying to court Van Damme because of that. And that just, I don't think it got very far in the pitch process before they were like. I think it was, yeah, I think it was Midway that was really pushing them to try and get a celebrity. Right. For the game to kind of, yeah, you know, piggyback off of. Yeah. And they'd, they'd come off the Terminator 2 arcade game. So they were like, oh, yeah, maybe we should try to license another thing. Right. Yeah. So then, yeah, they just made Johnny Cage Van Damme. Yeah, the original pitch was to try and get Van Damme to do it. And then I think after that fell through, their second pitch was Steven Seagal. God, could you fucking imagine? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Thank God, right? Thank God they didn't put Steven Seagal in Mortal Kombat. Like, the world's slowest Mortal Kombat fighter. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Undefeated. Uh. <laughs> modern, modern day Steven Seagal. <laughs> let's put him in mortal kombat 12 fuck it right hell yeah luke <laughs> can do anything at this point 
God. <laughs> Thank God they didn't do that. Like, I'm thrilled that they didn't go that route. Because I don't think you'd have a franchise if they had gone licensed or had tied it to a specific celebrity. Because we're talking shit about Steven Seagal right now, and he was huge in the in the late 80s. He was, yeah. But, like, I, I mean, could you have imagined, like, a, I mean, I know that Boone and Tobias weren't even, like, planning to do a Mortal Kombat 2, right? But could you imagine if, like, if they had done a Universal Soldier game or they had just done some Steven Seagal-branded, you know, martial arts fighting game? There wouldn't, I mean, it would have, it would have done nothing, right? I, th- I think all of the originality, all of like the ability to just make their own thing, even if it's a combination of all of these other things that they loved, like Shaw Brothers movies or whatever, like that's what makes Mortal Kombat good. I mean, you've been, you've showed off your, um, you know, case and box Mortal Kombat copies. It's like, yeah, yeah could you imagine? imagine instead of the iconic <laughs> dragon logo just a picture of steven seagal just bloated steven seagal's mug on the cover. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> maybe he has like a, a fake dragon tattoo wrapped around his neck <laughs> or something like down his face yeah. right What's going on? What are you what are you doing on this side of Castletown? Listen! The Kukos tore up Link's tunic again? No, uh, I always say it, it may be dangerous to go alone, but it's always more dangerous to slap your chickens around. Look! Oh, uh, uh wow. Ooh, is that uh, he doesn't look Is he dead? Listen! Hey, well, I don't have any tunics for sale. Some weird 35-year-old fairy man just bought all of those, so I uh, I do have these shirts, tanks, and hoodies. Hey! That's right. Just head on over to redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash main quest pod and check out the huge selection of merch. You want a t-shirt? You can never go wrong walking around in a classic logo tee. Hell, you can walk into any dungeon with enough confidence with one of those bad boys on. But you really want to keep from getting mauled by vicious peckers? Equip yourself with one of the special designs. Or maybe you want something a little more simple. There's stickers, pins, phone cases, and tote bags to trap those little bastards. And the shipping is fast, so you'll never have to wonder when your package arrives. Look. That's right, hey, there's even a clock. But I can't promise that will stop the moon from crashing into the earth. Again. That site is redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash main quest pod. Or just visit the link in the show notes. If you decide to support the show, know that any and all funds feed directly back into the show. So I know you don't have hands or arms or any. Can you can you just please get him out of here? The, the longer he lays here, the worse this looks for both of us. Watch out! <laughs> Thank you.
and yeah, tech-wise, I mean, talking about the digitized sprites, digitized sprites had existed for like 10 years up to that point. Sure, uh, yeah. Because uh, actually Midway in 1983 put out a game apparently that was based on the band Journey. Right. And yeah. had their likeness in the game. It wasn't their full, it wasn't, so it wasn't like full motion capture or anything like that. I think it was just their heads, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, I think that's the case. Yeah, but either way, I mean, besides that, I mean, there was, uh, I mean, there's Pit Fighter. Um, sure. <laughs> I don't know if you'd ever wanted, nobody should ever play Pit Fighter. It's uh, not. Eh. Could, it's on one of the, like, some of the Midway Origins collections, I think, or the Midway Treasures. Mm. <laughs> you can skip that. Yeah. <laughs> it is not a treasure. <laughs> no. Yeah, Midway's catalog's kind of funny. There's some absolutely incredible games that are still fun to play today. And then there's also yeah. Pit Fighter, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want to keep beating a dead horse, but yeah, I mean, Mortal Kombat's not technically doing anything newish. Uh, right. You know, violent video games existed before Mortal Kombat, believe it or not. Sure. Midway made a lot of them. Yeah. I mean, uh, another another uh, digitized sprite game, NARC. Yes. Very violent, right? Incredibly violent game. Uh, I think I even talked about uh, Bionic Commando uh, on this podcast, uh, and that came out in eighty eighty seven or eighty eight. It's violent, but it makes sense because it's Hitler's like face blowing up or something. Sure, like yeah, that. yeah. So it's like, yeah, that's okay. We can all get <laughs> we can blow that. Hitler up. Yeah, yeah. Narc, um, really fun game though. I don't know if you played that recently. That one's a blast. No, yeah, that's a just a really nice sure. side scrolling shoot 'em. Shoot yeah. him up. Shoot him up. That's what I'd call it. Yeah. I call it a side scrolling shooter shooter. Um, and then of course, not this one isn't like that uses digitized sprites, but if we're talking about gory games, uh Smash TV, another midway game. Yes. John the first the first game John Tobias worked on for, for Williams. Oh midway. really? Yeah. I believe. He was he did a lot of the art for that game. A lot of the Yeah. That was um I mean, the geysers of blood, you know, super cartoony. Yes. Right. Even like narc, like you're blowing up dudes with a rocket launcher and like the bones and stuff are flying. It's not very realistic. I do think that um, Mortal Kombat was a step forward in making the digitized graphics more realistic. I guess the, the, the Terminator 2 arcade game also. Right. Because that actually had like Arnold stunt double. And I want to say um, Linda Hamilton's twin sister. I don't think they got Linda Hamilton. Right. But they had, you know, actors likenesses in that game, too. So the combination of like that and NARC sort of paved the way for Mortal Kombat because it looked way more real and it also made the violence feel a lot more real, even if it's silly and cartoony, you know, yeah. today. I think um, I think something there's something about Mortal Kombat that feels a little more visceral and more personal because yeah. it is one on one. Right. And the violence is a little a little more realistic. I mean, right gunning down like drug dealers or whatever like you know the same sprites over and over again like in narc right right yeah yeah uh we, we talked about a little bit about the actors that could have been uh, we should probably talk about the actors that were yeah the people responsible for the motion capture here are mm -hmm. uh daniel and carlos piscina yes uh richard divisio yeah elizabeth malecki and i'm gonna try not to butcher this Hosung Pak? Hosung Pak. I believe that is the pronunciation. Yeah. 
Hosung Pack from uh, WMAC Masters, if anyone remembers that show. He was superstar. Actually, hold on a second. Run second. I actually have a Hosung Pack action figure from WMAC Masters. This is the man. This what is not a fuck? this is not a that character. Is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just happened to have this in a actually a box I'm putting away. That's fucking cool. <laughs> you can find a picture of that on my uh on the MK Podquest Instagram account if you're interested at MK Podquest on Instagram. Get that as much as you can. Get that <laughs> as much as you can. Um and yeah, I mean all these people were basically people people that john and ed knew from high school essentially yeah i think it was uh daniel and carlos uh, and then daniel and carlos do knew rich divisio and hosung pack from their martial arts club their fit the fitness yeah, club they right. performed at and kind of brought them in and you know it was yeah they were all people around in chicago and i believe i think it's daniel piscina uh correct me if i'm wrong but at the time he had already won like multiple martial arts championships i think so hosung pack also was like an uh i was about to say award-winning martial artist i don't know <laughs> a champion a world you know a champion martial artist like they all were yeah like you know pretty damn pretty bit pretty damn serious yeah and uh uh liz malecki uh was not a martial artist but she was a incredibly good gymnast yes if I, I think remember, that's correct right yeah yeah and she was kind of like a last minute addition because they tested Mortal Kombat and somebody was like, you guys need a woman in your video game because Street Fighter has like three of them at least. So yeah, they may, yeah, they may have only had one at the time. Well, Street Fighter 2 had Chun-Li and Cammy. Cammy. Chun-Li yeah. and oh, maybe that's maybe just two. I think that's it for two. Yeah. It just kind of shows you where we were at in the 90s when they're just like, yeah, let's just make this. This, kung fu yeah this is for, kung fu game without a woman right yeah this is yeah right <laughs> yeah but uh so yeah sonia was kind of a late addition they got liz, liz malecki uh and boosted the roster from six to seven yeah i believe I remember that so interesting because um the 8-bit versions of the game the like the master system game gear game boy versions um are missing kano but they have sonia so it's interesting that kano got cut from those versions Maybe to because I mean her moveset is very different from yeah aesthetically different from the rest of them. She's I mean one of the things Liz Malecki could do that the martial artist couldn't do was the the handstand yeah the, the handstand, handstand the leg grab yeah yeah uh, which they obviously it, it kind of became sure one of her iconic moves so yeah I the one thing I know about Mortal Kombat like competitive play is that. Sonya Blade is apparently the best character in the game, like for high level play. I'm not a high level player, but apparently, like she's you know tier one or whatever in the meta, in the meta game. Yeah, which is funny because like as a kid, you're always going for the ninjas. At least I was. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like it was all about Sub Zero. It was all about Scorpion. And yeah, I don't know who. So did you play this? as just one particular character like who's your go-to for this one i played a lot of scorpion because i knew the moves as a kid right okay i could do the teleport punch i could do the spear the spear um just the coolest thing mm. right like the like sub-zero freezing was rad and of course you know fireballs are fireballs i mean but this like the the novelty of the spear of like he's gonna throw this thing 
and pull you towards like move you across the screen like there wasn't really moves like that and anything else you know nobody else none of the other characters have a move like that right that could really draw you in right um so super super cheap as a kid right to just keep doing that and his uh fatality input was the easiest so (laughs) i absolutely played scorpion most of the time recently though uh i've been playing johnny cage who's also honestly they're all pretty damn damn easy to play with like you know yeah you know they're not that was the one thing coming back to this was i was surprised at how easy it was well not i shouldn't say how easy it was but how um accessible it was yeah yeah and i think that that's a real strength of the game too certainly at the time like they wanted it like every character pretty much plays the same with their different special moves right but like i think that that was intentional because they wanted the game to feel accessible right for sure Uh, midway was all about just getting people to keep putting quarters in that's how they made all of their money so um street fighter as a kid felt pretty intimidating because street fighter was all about uh parries and combos and getting the right. timing just right for those special moves and yeah. stuff like that especially as like the street fighter revisions kept going like i think yes by the time i was really playing it it was super street fighter 2 turbo and that game is fast and uh has a lot of extra shit in it you know and it was just it was intimidating mortal Kombat felt like you could you could just pick up the controller and once you know how to do an uppercut and a sweep like you're pretty good to go uh, against your friend for a while you know <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i think um you know one of the last things i want to touch on here as far as the development goes and i, I think i would be remiss not to talk about this was you know we we talk about how violent Mortal Kombat is, uh, I'll use violent in quotations because right. to compare to <laughs> games yeah. nowadays, it's really not. I mean, uh, yeah, this, like it's, it is the definition of violence, but like, yeah, it's not what you think of when you think of mod, like video game violence now. Right. Yeah. yeah. And this of course led to the, uh, 1993 U S Senate hearings on video game violence. Before I speak on that though, there's something that just came to mind. Sure. Yeah. Because uh, we're jumping all over the place here, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be one of the weirdest episodes of the podcast. Is that is that on me? Did I make that happen? That happen? No. Okay. No, I think everything just is gelling together, and right. this is one of those episodes that I not only was I nervous to talk to you, <laughs> but I was nervous to talk about this game in period period because it is such a landmark game right. in the industry it's huge, you know yeah. it's one of those games you know it's super mario brothers it's sonic the hedgehog it's yeah. mortal Kombat. Uh, right it's one of those games yeah. shenmue i don't know <laughs> shenmue out. So, you know i think i told you i'd narrowed my list down to five shenmue's in my top five probably let's go on. booger man <laughs> booger man yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um cool um, cool spot adventures you know the iconic games right, right? yeah you had brought up the differences in the the gore in the movies. Right. And you had brought up that, like, yeah, great. The 2021 movie is rated R. It has all the blood and the violence in it that people are looking for. Yeah. But it's not necessarily what you come or what you came to that movie for was the right. blood and violence. And I think a lot of games in this era were either copying Street Fighter or they're copying Mortal Kombat. Right. Now, again, I take a shot every time I bring up fucking Primal Rage. Shot. <laughs> Something like Primal Rage, obviously trying to copy 
Mortal Kombat. For sure. And a lot of those games totally missed the point. Right. Because they just wanted to up the gore factor. They wanted to shock you a little bit more. And they forgot to actually make a good video game. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that's um, just speaking on what you said about the movies uh, is very relatable to a lot of those Mortal Kombat clones. Also, they right. It totally just went over their heads. Yeah. The I mean, the violence, the blood and stuff is a part of it. But, you know, John Tobias's background before he got into making video games was comic books, comic book art. Right. And. Uh, Ed Boon and John Tobias both loved pop culture movies, you know, Star Wars, um, Bruce Lee movies, Kung Fu movies, everything. So they, you know, just having like all of that influence and writing as much lore and story into the games as they did, which they didn't need to do for just a one-on-one fighting game. Um, that's honestly the stuff that grabbed me about Mortal Kombat, right? They didn't have to do that, but they did. So, like, character designs were off the charts, even if, like, those these first costumes are, like, pretty rudimentary. Like, the ninja outfit is still iconic. Um, the, you know, the stages looked great. The mythology around it was all really fascinating. And then the blood and guts were, like, icing on the cake for me, you know? Like, to me, it's just, like, a a byproduct of punching somebody in the face. Yeah. You, you punch some, or you, you know, you kick somebody at a high high enough speed they're gonna bleed i watched ufc you hit somebody really hard they're gonna bleed so right it only makes sense if if you're going for some sort of realism for that person to bleed yeah i mean does it uh, gush out of them and you know land on the floor and everything Eh, maybe not but yeah it is it's 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 part of being in a fight right like I don't know. Uh, you talked a little bit about your childhood. Mine, violence and stuff was never really taboo in my house. Like, there were certainly times, like, I, I mean, I got to play Doom as a kid, right? And, like, I saw the Alien franchise way too young. Like, I think my parents would put it in pretty good context for us, right? Like, you know, they would certainly wait until I was a little bit older for me to, like, really sit down and watch stuff like Terminator or whatever. Right. But like, and I had this fascination with horror movies as I think all kids do slasher movies in particular. Um, violence was never really taboo though. We were never really policed about it. And I think that that, because of that, it never felt like this thing that I wasn't supposed to be seeing. Right. I was given like a good, like understanding and context for it. And that might be why it was just, wasn't like the selling point for me. You know what I mean? For some, for a game like Mortal Kombat, like obviously like I'm going to be silly, but like I put the blood code in or I put the dullard code in if I'm going on the Sega Genesis version uh, because I want the the arcade accuracy. I want the accuracy of the experience, not specifically because I want the blood, you know, like I want to feel like I'm playing the full version of the game. Because even without the blood, it's still mostly the same experience. Yeah. But also like, yeah. Why wouldn't you play with the blood? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, when I was playing all those years on the Game Gear, it's because I didn't know there was blood available to me, and I still played the shit out of that game, right? So, so. here's my question uh, about yeah. that Game Gear version: yeah. Do you also need the code for the fatalities? Are the fatalities still in there? Uh, I I want to see yeah, the fatal the fatalities are still in there. 
And I can tell you for sure that Scorpion's fatality, uh, you don't need to put the blood code in for. Yeah. And I, and Sonia's as well. I can guarantee you that. I'm not sure. Give me like 15 minutes. I can find out, but, but I'll, I'll get back to you later on that. <laughs> I mean, if you want to look something up, I can just rant about these Senate hearings real quick. No, I want to, I want to be in on that conversation too. No, I was making a joke. Like I'll just go play it, but I'm not going to play it now. Oh, yeah, I'm stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving all that in. <laughs> yeah, I mean the Senate hearings. They, I mean, they were their big deal. I mean, that's part of the reason why this yeah. game is so legendary. It's part of the reason why Oprah was telling my mom about it. <laughs> Mortal Kombat wasn't the only game. You're telling your mom about that and rainbow parties. Is that it? <laughs> rainbow parties. <laughs> I don't know. That's just a. One of those like scandalous things. This is what your kids are doing. That was just like made up <laughs> and worshiping Satan in a, with yeah. in ice cream trucks or something. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, that that I actually did. <laughs> Mortal Kombat was not, of course, the the only game that was kind of uh, under the gun here. There was no. uh, Lethal Enforcer, Lethal Enforcers, and also Night Trap. Yes. Uh, and these hearings were held by uh, Joe Lieberman and herb cole and herb cole i don't know when i think about these senate hearings i always think about mortal combat more than night trap only because nobody owned like, a sega yeah CD. nobody owned a sega cd <laughs> lethal enforcers i think i might have seen gameplay of that like once in my entire life like did anybody even play that game either oh i i played that game that was the first light gun game i think i played oh really yeah okay yeah well fuck me then um <laughs> <laughs> yeah i uh you know and i played night trap for the first time last year and I think yeah, I have it on my switch. I haven't really jumped into it yet. Yeah. I played the, uh, I did play the Sega CD version. I, I heard the nice, I heard the port of that. The more modern port is, is much better. Uh, the, the Sega CD version is so. very rough, but I, anyway, going back to what I was saying is that <laughs> of all three of these games, Mortal Kombat is, I think objectively much more violent than, Night Trap oh, yeah. or Lethal Enforcers. I mean, Night Trap is downright goofy. I mean, it's right. borderline comedy. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think Lethal Enforcers was like bloody or anything. I think it was just the idea that you have a, a gun and you shoot people. Right? right. Like, I think that was the controversy with that. Yeah. Mortal Kombat was center stage in this for sure. Which is like, I mean, Nintendo had a light gun much earlier than Lethal Enforcers, but nintendo's marketing is that they're toys right yeah it's fine when you're killing ducks for some reason but killing bank robbers they draw the line there i guess i just think it's um it's interesting because you can watch these entire you know proceedings on youtube that they had and it's just uh it's very jarring to hear right the president of nintendo at the time howard lincoln and yeah. uh bill white uh who's the president of sega at the time vice president was he vice president or yeah i think tom tom kalinsky was still running the show then yeah you're probably right but just having these guys go at it in court and because i've talked about the, the console wars on the podcast before right and to ha- have it go from having these 
basically these smear campaigns and in, in their marketing and stuff towards each other. Yeah. To actually physically yelling at each other in court is the transparency is so again, yeah. it's it's jarring to be like, oh wow, you guys actually are kind of at each other's throats over sure. this video game. Uh both of which you neither yeah. of you made, you published it. You're just publishing it. I mean it was at this time that like Sega was like stealing a huge percentage of the market away from Nintendo, like finally. Yes. Right? Like that was the other thing too. Okay. By all yeah. accounts, you know, the Genesis came out and it was competing with the NES and then suddenly it's competing with the SNES, a more powerful console, right? But they're still like carving out this niche with like the targeting the older gamers and you know, uh Mortal Kombat was a huge part of that. Also, like having the un, you know, this this uncensored version, right? Like, like Sega was was leading like the 16-bit generation at this point, and Nintendo was not not happy about it. Right? Yeah, I mean, they were king of video games for right nearly ten years, and now it's starting to slip from them. Yeah, they had a monopoly. I mean, like they they like stores didn't want to carry Sega's products because they didn't want to piss Nintendo off. You right, know? like it was. Like they had a, they had, they ruled with an iron fist, right? A lot of the stuff really, to me, uh, every time I, I think about it now, it's uh, very reminiscent of what's going on with Sony and Microsoft right now. Sure. Because yeah. all of Microsoft and Sony's dirty laundry is starting to air because Sony wants to go after Microsoft for, uh, uh, but for game for, is that right? No, for the oh, no, uh, for... acquisition of Activision. Or Activision, yeah. right, for the acquisition of Activision. Speaking of Activision. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. Who I mistakenly called a claim earlier. I mean, I mistakenly called a claim Activision earlier. That was the callback there. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, either way, I mean, um, eventually Nintendo and Sega decided to settle out of court, right? And uh, a very yeah. large handful of uh, incredibly popular developers and... Um, mm-hmm the publishers themselves decided to regulate uh, video games by themselves, which is probably a much better decision than letting the government have their hands all over it. Well, I'm pretty sure that's what Lieberman, like that's at the end of the hearings, he was like, I, I'm giving you guys a year to get your shit together and figure out how to self-regulate or we are going to step in and do it. Right. Like he gave him a window to, to get it done themselves. Sorry, I think at that point, Sega had all, like, I think this was part of their argument too, because my copy of Mortal Kombat 1 here has Sega's rating system on it. Um, MA 13, which is maybe not the right That's rating for it. Very different. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think so. Yeah. But they had their own, if I'm remembering this correctly from when I read Console Wars a couple of years ago, I think that Sega had already sort of implemented an in house rating system. And I remember even reading a breakdown in Sega Visions magazine about what rating meant what. And I think that they had like, this was kind of like a shitty, like poking at them kind of thing. Like they went to Nintendo and they're like, hey, hey, we've implemented a rating system. Maybe you should just jump on board and use our rating system because we're already doing it. It was like another like shots fired kind of thing. Yeah, I could see that happening. Yeah. Yeah. And then Nintendo was like, nah, that's we're good. And then, yeah. A bunch of people got together, as you were saying. Got the uh, ESRB, the uh, Entertainment Software Rating Board. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I think that that MA thirteen would be a, a T for teen nowadays. <laughs> right. Or um, o- o- older teen. Right. Is that a thing? 
have, El- elder they, team. The, the rating they had to make for Sonic the he- or for Shadow the Hedgehog. Oh my god. E10. Maybe I'm thinking of E10 plus. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. E10 plus. <laughs> oh, is that a? I think I have heard that somewhere. Probably in a trailer someplace. It would be it would be Shadow the Hedgehog. Fucking edgy bastard. <laughs> that dude rides a boy. He can run fast as hell, but he decides to ride a motorcycle. Rides, rides a fucking motorcycle. Speaking of video game violence, man, he's got guns out the ass, <laughs> yeah. too. He's got a Glock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this uh, Mortal Kombat, for better or worse, it, it changed how people looked at video games. I mean, I mentioned my personal history. I mean, I, I even look at the catalog of games that I have literally covered up to this point. It's been stuff like Zelda, Mario, sure, Sonic. Mm-hmm. Uh, r- r- not yet. Ristar, <laughs> uh, these very like pixelated, oh, uh, not that Mortal Kombat's not pixelated, but right, but like the cartoon, like the family friendly, exactly, cartoon. exactly. And then you sure. get Mortal Kombat, and uh, you know, call back to what I just said about the, the light gun for the NES. I mean, I talked about how often Nintendo wanted to market video games as a toy. Up to this point, yes. video games were a thing that were in the house that were for toys. It was not right. seen as entertainment or anything like that. And now this is with the ESRB, with the Senate hearings, video games are now viewed as things that aren't necessarily toys and they're not necessarily right. for children. And like th- this just has to happen every time, right? Like in the 50s, it was comic books, right? And then what? And and I guess rock and roll music, right? And then in the seventies, it was Dungeons and Dragons, and now it's video games. And you know, it's just at any time like parents realize that the thing that they assumed was just a kid's thing that their kids were into um, could be for people that weren't children, right? They they freak out, right? That it's going to happen every time. And now it's vapes. Now it's vapes. Sure. Yeah. Those were made for, those were made for children. They taste delicious. And now adults are doing them too. <laughs> kind of been talking about the, the, the censoring in the different versions of the games right and one thing i found out that i thought was very interesting that i kind of knew but i had no real context for was just how badly nintendo shot themselves in the foot with their port of mortal Kombat because they took out the fatalities completely right they said they turned the blood gray they turned the color to gray said it was sweat uh, meanwhile, yes. uh, talk about Tom Kalinske earlier, uh, that dude with his big swinging Sega dick. There it is. Big joke for the episode. <laughs> yeah. Followed basically like, dude, he followed suit, but also was like, keep the stuff in the game, but make a cheat code for it. Make it accessible. Right. And yeah. he sort of, with his marketing genius, quote unquote, leaked the cheat codes and everybody started to find them and that really i mean i I think the sega mortal Kombat, the sega version of mortal Kombat outsold nintendo's like five to one 
something like that. Yeah, it, it even did gang. Yeah, and even with it, Nintendo having the exclusive exclusive exclusivity exclude why can i fucking say that word exclusivity yeah with capcom even with nintendo having capcom and street fighter 2 <laughs> right it was not still quite enough uh because everybody wanted they wanted mortal Kombat, and that really yeah really pushed sega over nintendo at this point i mean nintendo was it's already on, on teetering on the edge there and just kind of pushed them over so so there's this book, uh, I mentioned David Craddock, he's got a, lo- a book out now called Long Live Mortal Kombat. He, he's also got this other book called Arcade Perfect, which is a book just about arcade games getting um, converted to home consoles, mm. right? So like as far back as like Double Dragon for like, I don't know, I'm just going to say the Amiga might have been the ZX Spectrum, like old stuff, like, you know, but Mortal Kombat is in here. And... um. I think part of the success of the Genesis version isn't just that it had the blood. Obviously, that's the publicized aspect, right? But the other the other problem with the Super Nintendo version is that the port itself was, like, gameplay-wise, was really, really bad. Um, um, Acclaim had hired a, a studio called Sculptured Software to do the Super Nintendo port. Um, and they had... Uh, one of their developers or one of their programmers was like, I can convert that code to Super Nintendo by myself, no problem. And he couldn't. So then they had to like add a bunch of other people to the team to try to clean up the work. But like the translating, I'm not a code guy, I should be clear. But like the, you know, um, transcribing the code just wasn't going well. And they had to like guess on a bunch of things. Plus Nintendo making these demands to like, Take uh, change the color of the sweat to blood. Make sure it doesn't pull on the ground. Change these fatalities. All of this. Take these out. Put these other things in. All of this stuff just ended up making a really sort of poorly programmed um, version of the game that uh, apparently, like up until like the Friday before Mortal Monday, John Tobias and Ed Boon were refusing to sign off on. Like Super Nintendo cartridges were getting shipped out all over the world for release on Mortal Monday. And they were like, we're not signing off on this version. It's not a good conversion of our game. And uh, basically, I think um, Ken Fidesna, I think, was the head of Midway at the time. And he was like, there's a lot of money at stake. You have to sign off on this. And so they did. So the Super Nintendo version of the game itself has like input lag and all kinds of gnarly stuff that just makes it like a really poor experience to play. Interesting. And is then missing the blood and stuff. Oh shit. The, um, cause I know the Sega port. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, we'll talk about it and probably talk. Well, fuck it. We talk about it now. I watched sure. a digital foundry, uh, documentary on the different versions of this game. And, okay. um, I don't, I don't remember if they touched on the gameplay. I don't think that is their, uh, I don't think that's Digital Foundry's focus on that kind of stuff. It's a lot more about the tech. And right. they definitely talked about how, at least in the Super Nintendo version, it was, it at least looked a little bit closer to the art. At it least is, yeah. it looked and sounded a little bit closer to the actual yes. arcade version. Better sound, certainly better graphics, a lot more color. Played like dog shit. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm not gonna say dog shit, but like it's certainly they made a lot of sacrifices in the game, like trying to get a, a compile a playable version of the game. 
And having all of those changes and stuff thrown on them certainly wasn't, you know, helping things, right? The Genesis version, a uh, guy named Paul Carruthers was the lead programmer for that. And again, I'm not a code guy, but essentially what he says is he was basically able to, he had access to all the code of the game and he had to just sort of translate it. Like he had the source code and everything. And he just kind of had to translate it into um, the Genesis's like programming language. And he ended up basically like, it was like a really easy thing to port, like to, to emulate essentially. So in terms of like game engine and all of that kind of stuff, uh, the Genesis version plays almost identically to the arcade version. Well, the right. the uh, Genesis, the hardware inside the Genesis was very close to what were in a lot of arcades, and I, right. you know, I've I've talked about that multiple times. Where Genesis was very, the Genesis, how Sega was very friendly to a lot of uh, arcade ports because that's what they were in the business right. of doing. They Sega themselves were yeah. known for making arcade games, so. Sega had an arcade division. They started as an arcade yeah. company, right? Well they, well, they started as a pachinko machine company or something, but you, you know, parlor games and amusements. You right? either start as a pachinko machine company or you end up like one Konami. <laughs> <laughs> so the Genesis port plays a lot better, right? So like people who wanted like, like hardcore arcade players who wanted to practice at home were also, I think, going to gravitate towards the Genesis version on top of, again, it being a more, you know, arcade accurate, like visually, well, not in terms of graphics, but in terms of blood and fatalities and all of that kind of stuff. It was a more faithful translation of the arcade version, like gameplay wise and content wise. That's the short version. So, yeah, I think like if you do a side by side, like the Genesis version does play better, you know. And then it was huge for Sega also to have that, right? Because they they needed that. You know, they really needed a, a hit. They needed a reason that people should pick their system over the Super Nintendo. And, like, they finally kind of had it, especially after Nintendo or, like, Nintendo's whole attitude during those hearings of just, like, no, we're a family-friendly company. Exactly. Sega's, like, teenagers and young people, like, young adults play video games, too. You know? It's funny, too, because... You know, when PlayStation came onto the scene, they very much took the same kind of stance as Sega did. And Nintendo yeah. was just grinding their heels into the ground and being like, right. yeah, no, we're for families. We're for families. And uh, yes, they the Nintendo had a very rough 90s compared to the 80s. They did. I mean, still put out some. Yes, fire, not though. to say <laughs> not to say that I'm going to have a very extensive uh, Super Nintendo portion to this show because there will be. But yeah, man, it, it's. It's interesting stuff, and it's interesting to think about what if the Senate hearings didn't happen. Sure, you know how? Yeah, how would things be different? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they, you know, Nintendo changed their tune with future Mortal Kombat games, right? Like they learned their lesson. Yeah, I mean, you can get MK11 on 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 Switch. Switch, Hell, I uh, Howard Lincoln said Night Trap would never be on a Nintendo console. Yeah, and I got I got Mortal Kombat 11 and Night Trap on my Switch yes. right now. <laughs> you know, and Doom, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, Doom didn't yeah. come later. Doom didn't. Uh, nobody cared about Doom until Columbine. So right. <laughs> nothing. Nothing ruins a conversation like Columbine does. It. <laughs> nothing puts. Nothing puts the brakes on a conversation right. like bringing up Columbine. Uh, yeah. I you know. It's funny because Corey probably wasn't even born when Columbine happened. Yeah. 
Boy. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about that. <laughs> so Mortal Kombat, uh, and this is where maybe you can bring up the Mega Drive version. Um, it was released for the Sega Genesis slash Mega yeah. Drive in September 1993. And since then, mm-hmm. it was ported to the Amiga, Game Boy, Game Gear, MS-DOS, the Master System, Super Nintendo, PlayStation, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, PlayStation Portable, GameCube, and Xbox 360 Arcade. Sir. And did you say Sega CD? I didn't, but it's basically the same thing. (laughs) The same thing as the Sega Genesis. (laughs) All right. But yes, you're right. Um, So yeah, what do you want to say about that Master System version? I don't know. I mean, I... You know, as I said, I spent a lot of time with that Game Gear version of the game. And when I got to finally play like the full console version or, you know, at some point in life, you know, stumbled into an arcade or, you know, stumbled onto an arcade cabinet version of the game. Like I was kind of surprised at how good the Game Gear version was at converting um, Mortal Kombat. Like it's a pretty... Uh, it's just, it's, it's a unique version to me because again, it's the first way I played the game, right? I don't know if you've got anything like that where like if your first Sonic game was, you know, Sonic one on the game gear or something like that, you know, or like, no, like your first Mario game was like super Mario land on the game boy. Right. No, I, no. Well, you're lucky. (laughs) (laughs) But there's just something like, it's a very impressive conversion because it still plays um a lot like the arcade it still plays a lot like the sega genesis version it still looks pretty darn good the master system actually was like pretty powerful in the graphics department a lot of the early games you know sort of um it didn't last very long in the north american market right but it lasted a very long time in both the south america like the brazil market and in the um the UK, right? The, the European market in general. Um, and Sega was really smart by like having the Genesis add on that lets you play your master system games on it. Like that was huge. Like that, like they were doing like gangbuster sales with the mega drive in Europe because of that, because everybody already had these libraries of master cartridges. Anyway, this isn't a master system (laughs) focused podcast. Well, I just want to get the context too, because I, I don't have a lot of that for the Master System. I've played one Master System game, and that was Sonic. So, right, which is in, uh, those eight-bit Sonics are pretty good. Yeah, not bad. I yeah. like it better than the Genesis sure. version. Okay, you know, like a big Sonic, classic Sonic. I guy. think uh, Sonic the Hedgehog was a mistake. Oh boy! All right. <laughs> we'll have, talk about that later. Uh, <laughs> um, as again, grew, grew up a Sega kid, so. Fair enough. Um, anyway, the short version is like I I went out of my way to find this this Master System version of Mortal Kombat because uh, I have an affinity for the Master System and Sega in general, and it's basically the same as the Game Gear version, just like with a wider field of view, like you know, a little bit higher resolution, not significantly, but enough. Right. Right. Um, it's missing Kano from the roster. It only has two stages, which is Goro's Lair and the Pit. It does not have the Pit Fatality. You can't do stage fatalities in any of the 8-bit versions, even the Game Gear and the Game Boy versions. But 
God damn it, it feels like playing a fucking Mortal Kombat game. Like, it really, really does feel like classic Mortal Kombat still to me. A little simpler, obviously, there's two buttons, right? There's So you only have one punch and one kick. And on the Master System, blocking is very difficult uh, because I think you have to hold, punch, and press up on the controller because the Master System controller doesn't have a start button, right? So, yeah, you have to hold... Yeah, so, like, pulling off... Scorpion's Fatality is pretty tough because you have to press up in one and then release up and then press up twice instead of just holding block and pressing up twice. Yeah, it's that's weird. Yes. But <laughs> that's a symptom of the Master System controller again. That's, you yeah, know, yeah. from not having the, the, the pause button was on the console for some stupid reason. <laughs> you think it, they would just make it easier and like, well, everybody's fatality is going to be the same. Right. Just again, they were, they were, but they were sure, but they were still going for like accuracy, right? So, like, it's still, uh, what forward, down, forward, punch to do sub zero's fatality, forward, 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 punch to do Johnny Cage's. Like, all all this stuff is still there, uh, especially with the blood code, which again, on the same sort of code select, like, you know, how there's the word code has many meanings, a little scroll at the beginning of that scrolls by on the master system and game gear version in three screens. And on the third screen, you press, um, two, one, two down up and it unlocks the blood. I just like, I've played a lot of, I have a curiosity for like the, the portable versions or the eight bit versions of like the more popular 16 bit games, right? Like I've got street two for the game boy. I've got the, all of the game boy, mortal Kombat games and game boy Advance ones. Like I have, you don't know this about me. I have almost every, I mean, I have at least one copy of every single mortal Kombat entry and I have, uh, multiple copies, like multiple versions of most of them. So like I even have Mortal Kombat Tournament Edition on the Game Boy Advance, right? Like, and I, and as, as I'm, I have all, you know, I have mythologies on PlayStation in 64. I've got trilogy on in 64 Saturn and PlayStation. Like I've got a long box PlayStation copy of, uh, Mortal Kombat 3 over there. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm a collector too. So like, I also have like, King of Fighters 95 for the Game Boy and like just like these odd handheld versions like down downgrades of you know console games right and for some reason this this uh 8-bit version of Mortal Kombat I think is the best one of a like the best version of a game like that does that make sense yeah yeah so when I covered uh when I did my short stint on covering mm-hmm. uh the Game Boy games that I had the one thing I realized yep. is how technically impressive the Game Boy actually is when it is sure. used correctly. And I would assume if you had the right people doing the right work, those, you know, quote unquote, downgraded versions can actually be incredibly playable and technically yep. impressive. And I imagine it's the same thing, you know, on the Game Gear, probably the same thing mm-hmm. on the Master System. You know, like I, I talked about, uh, I think it was like Bonk's Adventure, which uh-huh. was a TurboGrafx-16 game. And sure. that got ported to the NES. I've never played the NES version of Bonk's Adventure, but it's a, a curiosity of mine because I'd like to know right. how, you know, going from a 16-bit console to an 8-bit console exactly how well that would play um again i don't have any i don't have you must be like 
in a very small group of people who is like, no, I played the TurboGrafx-16 version. I've never played the NES version. <laughs> that was another thing. You know, you joke about how like, oh, nobody had a Sega Saturn. Nobody, Neil, had, nobody a had a TurboGrafx. I had a no, TurboGrafx. Like I've seen them in stores, but that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I've never played one, honestly. They're I really mean, fucking cool. Uh, you're a collector, yeah. so I urge you if if you ever come across one and and if you could if you have a chance to pick up a couple games, go for it. But um, yeah, I would probably end up going like the PC Engine route. Okay, right? Japanese version, just a larger library thing, yeah. of the Japanese version. Yeah, I've thought about the PC it. Engine <laughs> looks a lot cooler than Turbo Graphics anyway. So, but. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a lot of experience with the Master System. You know, mm-hmm. like I said, I played that Sonic game. And even though, for the most part, outside of the first level, it is a completely different game. But it works to the limitations of the Master System. And it so does. it's an right. incredibly, surprisingly, surprising me, at least, uh, a very very good game running a little short on time I have to spring this up on you is a portion that everybody's probably been waiting for. <laughs> it is a game that I would like to call Fatality. Uh-oh. I'm going to describe 10 fatalities and all you have to do, Neil, oh, okay, is tell me if it's a real fatality that occurs in the Mortal Kombat franchise in the whole franchise. Yes, across all all the mainline games. Uh, no okay. side games or anything like that. So we're talking one through eleven. Yes. All right. You can earn a bonus yeah, point. I'm gonna get a lot of. The, oh, go ahead. We get a lot of these wrong. Oh, oh. We'll go for you it. can earn a bonus point in the event it is a real fatality by telling me who performs it as well. Sure, I'll give it a shot. All right. No pressure. I mean, once I, th- I feel like I'll I'll do okay. Probably. I mean, if it, we're talking one and two, I'll probably do okay. I'm not gonna know. I'll just. We'll see how it goes. Four is a fairly big blind spot for me. I'll just say that. All right. So take those off the list so I look better. I'm looking at the list right here. I don't even know. <laughs> um, oh, there is a four one on here. Okay. You're like, oh, they're all. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> yeah. They're all real fatality. No. Okay. <laughs> fatality number one. Head is ripped off with a tongue and eaten. Ripped off with a tongue and eaten. That is Reptile's Fatality from Mortal Kombat 2. Damn. Um, back, yes. back, down, low punch. I Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give you like 10 points on that one just by itself. <laughs> that one's the one. That's the one I knew. Reptile was my boy in Mortal Kombat 2. That is the fatality I learned and have recently pulled off in different uh, barcades with Mortal Kombat 2 cabinets against my friends. So, Fatality number two. Death from looking at tits. Death from looking. That is not from Mortal Kombat. That is from Tattoo Assassins. I want to say. Uh, good guess. Uh, it. You are correct. It is not Mortal Kombat. Uh, it is from Killer Instinct. Killer Instinct, of course. Yeah, I should have known that. 
I orchid. Yeah, I did know that. You still get a point. There was some sort of that canceled tattoo assassins games. There were some nudalities in that. Nudalities. So, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, number three, getting set on fire from moonshine. Being set on fire from moonshine. Not Mortal Kombat. Wait, is that a Bo Raicho? Fatality? Uh, I'm going to say no. Correct. Uh, that is Thank God. from Way of the Warrior. Uh, Shaky okay. Jake. It <laughs> 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 is actually a very early Naughty Dog game, apparently. Yes, I've heard of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was one, it was one of the Mortal Kombat clones. And yes. They were just like, we need money. <laughs> I hear, I think that they got a contract to do uh, Crash Bandicoot because of that game. I would believe it. Yeah, they they were probably like, we need to impress yeah. Sony somehow. And that was their foot in the door. Imagine your foot in the door through fucking Way of the Warrior. That game looks Way awful. The- <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, whatever. Gotta do what you gotta do. Um, number four. Turned into stone and then blown up with lasers. Turn into stone and blown up with lasers. That sounds like some Mortal Kombat trilogy or Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 shit. But I don't think so. What am I? I'm three for three so far. So I'm going to gamble here and I'm going to say, yeah, that probably happened in one of those Mortal Kombat games. I'm sorry. <sighs> First one. It wrong. is from right. War Gods. War Gods. It is, that is a Midway game though, so... Yes, it is. Yeah, I should get like I should get like half a point for that. Um, mm, I'm not that generous. <laughs> I've never played never played War Gods. Fatality Five. Yeah, the opponent is surrounded in a cloud and they fall apart. Surrounded in a cloud and they fall apart. I'm gonna say no. I'm sorry, Neil. Uh, that is from a Mortal Kombat game, which one I don't know. Which would is that like is that like human smoke whichever trilogy or something? No, nah, it's whatever Mortal Kombat uh Ashra is in. Okay. Uh Deception then. Is that that's one of her fatalities? Yes. Yeah. She literally just there summons a cloud and <laughs> the person just falls apart. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't spend a lot of time playing as Ashra in, in Deception. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, uh, Deception There's is a blind spot rosters. in my Mortal Kombat history. Yeah. Oh, it's it's a Fantastic. I love the 3D era, but there's a lot of characters I just didn't spend any time with. Uh, number six. The entire planet is blown up. That is a Mortal Kombat fatality. I don't know whose, but that is. Yes. Is that, um, hold on. You are correct. It's, it's one of the, it, yeah, it's one of the, is it one of the Cyberlin Quay? Yes. Sector, Sector Smoke Cyrax. It's one of theirs. It's right? both of theirs. They both okay. interchangeable. Both have the same one. So yes. Got it. Got it. Nailed it. Number seven. <laughs> After being kissed, their body stretches like a rubber band and explodes. Stretches like a rubber band and explodes. Uh that's kind of like Sonia's fatality. Um but they did they blow up like Kananga in that James Bond movie? It's so similar to Sonya's. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's it's gotta be Mortal Kombat. It is Mortal Yeah, it is Mortal Kombat. Wrong woman though. Uh it is from Kitana. Oh, is this Oh Kitana. Yeah, okay. All right. Number eight. 
<laughs> kicked in the nuts so hard their skeleton flies out of their skin. <laughs> okay, I don't think Mortal Kombat's gone that far. This this feels like some Eternal Champions shit or something. Deal. That is, in fact, a Mortal Kombat fatality. Oh. Uh, that is Cassie Cage. I think that's MK11. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That might have been 10. I think you're right, though. I do her... I know her other one where she, like, like blasts the hole through your chest and, like, does the yeah. heart yeah. poses. Yeah, 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 takes, like, the selfie or what... There's one where she does a selfie with you, too, or something like that. I think yeah, she, like, makes your face off or something. Makes sense she'd kick you in the balls and your skeleton would fly out. She's Johnny Cage's daughter. <laughs> I I just couldn't help but reading that sentence out loud. <laughs> just start laughing. It's so ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, they get a little silly, don't they? <laughs> well, this one, I'm going to kind of give you a hint, is okay. uh, a callback. An accidental callback, uh, in fact. Uh, that I made earlier. Number nine, getting killed by falling toilets. Getting killed by falling toilets. Not a Mortal Kombat game. Correct. Do you want to at least try and guess what that is? I'm think. I'm thinking because I feel like it is something I, I talked like about on accident. Okay. <laughs> on accident, man. We've talked about a lot of That's stuff. True. Was this in like the past five minutes? No. <laughs> okay. Maybe an hour ago. All right. So it's not War God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I can guess. Um, I would, I would again just say like Tattoo Assassin or some shit. It is Boogerman uh, from Clay Fighter. Boogerman. Nice. <laughs> I did not mean to call that out earlier, but there it is. <laughs> and finally, number 10. Lit on fire by a fart. That is a Bo Raicho fatality. Correct. <laughs> All around. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, so let's see. You've got... You got 7 out of 10. And with that's a couple couple bonus points. Uh, so that's... Let's see. Uh, 2, 3... I, I mean, that's 10. I mean, that's 10 points. So, I mean... I'll take it. Yeah. There you I'll go. take it. I, th- I did better than I thought I would. I'll be honest. You know, again, my I'm an expert in um, Mortal Kombat television shows. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take seven. I think that's pretty good. That showing, is, yes, you know? absolutely. There's and, uh, definitely some people out there screaming into their phones that I got a few of those wrong. But uh, <laughs> right. How can you forget the guy that stretched like a rubber band? And, well, no, you got that one. Never mind. <laughs> Either way. Uh, yeah, you're, you're going to be added to the uh, main quest leaderboard here. So nice. Yeah, so that has been my little game here, Fakeality. Kind of been all over the place. We really haven't talked about the music in Mortal Kombat, and that's—I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that's mostly because there isn't really a lot to touch on as far as the music goes. No, certainly not on the Sega Genesis version. I mean, in terms of like the sound, right? There's a lot of iconic sounds in the game, 
shout out to like he's a friend uh shout out to dan forden who did like all of the sound for the game like he did the the uh i mean he didn't record all the lines right ed boone i did uh, most of the voice work did most of the voice work yeah but uh dan forden you know did all the music did all the processing on the uh, like iconic sound effects right yeah uh he and did that for Mortal Kombat two and three, and I think might still work for NetherRealm. I'm not honestly not sure, but like he's, if anyone knows, you know, the Toasty thing in Mortal Kombat two, that's Dan Forden who pops up from the corner and says Toasty. Toasty. Yeah, I think like the arcade soundtrack is really, really, like it sounds great. It's super impressive, especially when you consider just one guy did this, right? I mean, but the Genesis version, like Probe in in that same arcade perfect book that. David Craddock book. Uh, it talks about how Probe, when making this Genesis port, put gameplay and graphics first, right? So, like, we want this to play well and we want it to look as good as we can. And then whatever's left over will we'll dedicate to music. So, yeah, they made a lot of sacrifices on the soundtrack for this and, and just sounds in general, right? Like, you don't hear you know, finish him. You don't hear, well, maybe you hear that, but you certainly don't hear flawless victory or fatality. If you pull those off, you don't get a lot of the character sound effects either. I think the soundtrack, the background music is serviceable, but it's not, it's not great. It ain't what you're writing home about, right? Outside of that title screen music, like it's not very memorable to me. Yeah. I'm going to sound like a little bit of a fanboy here because like, I think honestly, the one thing Street Fighter has over, Mortal Kombat is its theme music. Fucking stellar themes in Street yeah. Fighter 2. Absolutely. Like you can hear Ken's theme. You can just think of Ken and think about his theme. You can think about Ryu, hear right. his theme. There's the characters here don't have themes. Stages don't really have, well, stages have themes, but they just don't, they don't stand out. And especially in the, the no. Genesis port, which I don't know if this is in the book, uh, in the book you've been talking about uh but i guess they put different music in for the genesis port to utilize mm. the sound chip better which also that might be yeah which i think also might have been because that was one of those things that they just kind of had a toss-up at the end of development there for for the genesis port it was like well we can't put this arcade music in here anymore so we have to kind of just do something different here with the music and yeah i mean the like the title screen the character select screen and the latter screen music is this it is the same as the arcade version just a bad version well, of the it. stages themselves right. the i i guess i'm just speaking to the stages yeah. themselves not the ancillary stuff so i tried to do a comparison i ha- i have right before we got on i was trying to go back and forth between my genesis version and the arcade port version that's on that came with the deception uh collector's edition on playstation 2 um because it has an arcade faithful port of mortal kombat 1 so i was just kind of comparing right graphics and that kind of stuff just in, in preparation uh problem with that i don't know if it's my playstation 2 maybe i need to get a new av cord but uh could not hear the background music at all like i cranked the tv like all the way up to the point where it was like way too loud and like it's just so quiet on that version so I can't confirm that it's like if it's, you know, the same. the only thing I could confirm is that the uh, character select screen and the latter screen, the Genesis version does have 
that same theme, but a worse version of it. Stages, I couldn't tell you, you know. I mean, I sound like a broken record at this point, but I'm not a fan of the Genesis sound chip. I think just overall. Yeah, it's not very yeah, good. If, if you didn't know how to make music on that thing, I think you're not going to have a very good soundtrack. I think I said in another episode, every time I play a Sega Genesis game and I and I try and listen to the music, it feels like somebody took like pillows and put them over my TV. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I can't you know, fucking hear this. It's interesting. Like, yeah, it does sound a little muddy and like muffled, right? Yeah. I think there was something, not to talk about the Master System again, but like the Master System had a, a better sound chip, I think, in the Japanese version than in the, like the version out, like the European or North American versions. I want to say the same might have been true for the Mega Drive also. It's, it just, it does seem like an area where Sega skipped, like saved money, right? Yeah, for sure. Which is weird considering like arcade hits like OutRun were like huge, like the soundtracks are amazing to those. And then the home port versions, it's it's not. It's just not, you know, <laughs> like Sega. I mean, Sega Studios, like they like the Sonic music, however you feel about the games. Sounds oh, yeah. like Green Hill Zone sounds pretty Sonic has good. great, but, great music. I've, yeah. But you're right. Like third party games. Yeah. None of them are really up to snuff. Well, uh, it's about that time. And I know we didn't talk a, a ton about the gameplay or anything, but I guess we're just going to kind of wrap our thoughts up here and see if we can uh, basically recommend checking this game out today. Um, and I think I think I'm going to go first because I think you might be a little more positive about the game. I know we didn't <laughs> really talk about too much about our per- personal experiences here, but um, I-, I think we did a very good job talking about how foundational this game was, how important it was. I think we really gave it its due. We we really, you know, rinsed it for what it was worth. And then the one thing we also didn't talk about is just how hard it is to get a hold a cop to get a hold of a copy of this game. So it doesn't really <laughs> help that the only real way to play it today is on basically original hardware. And like you know, if you have like seventy dollars for like a thirty year old game. Um, so like the the only real way to go is emulation unless you already own, you know, seven copies of it, Neil. <laughs> and, <Right. laughs> um, yeah. But then even then, you like you probably find cartridge only versions fairly, fairly cheap, I'll say. But uh, I couldn't tell you for sure. But then even if you're I was just going to say, like, even if you do emulate it, emulate the arcade version, don't emulate the Genesis version, you know. <laughs> so, sure, that's, that's fair. Yeah. So, I mean, the the only thing I think uh, Street Fighter 2 really had on Mortal Kombat was that Capcom patched that game to hell and back. And by patch it, I mean, they re-released the game like 40 times in six years sure. and yeah. added, you know, subtle variations to the gameplay until it was like just right. Uh, and Midway didn't have that luxury. Well, they might have had that luxury, but maybe they just would put more of their focus into what would become Mortal Kombat 2, right? And now that I think about it, I mean, they kind of eventually did that with Mortal Kombat 3. Like, there were like seven different versions of Mortal Kombat 3, if I remember, (laughs) or something. Uh, Yeah, Mortal Kombat 4 had a handful of revisions, and then, like, Mortal Kombat Gold, of course. They kind of went that route eventually, but... We talked about, you know, how accessible this game was. Overall, like, I just... uh, 
I don't think there's a lot of reasons to go back to this first Mortal Kombat. You know, I realize how incredibly important it is, but I, I don't think, um, you know, it, it's one of those games where it's like, if you just want to see where it starts and, and how it was to have that historical context, sure. But I mean, you're really not going to get much more than 10 minutes out of this thing. That's kind of where I'm with it. So I, I really don't think it's worth it, really. So uh, what about you, man? Uh, I'm going to grab something real sure. quick. Neil is going over. He's probably going to be like, look at this fucking video game. You're telling me you're not going to recommend this shit. Oh, fuck. Here he comes. Uh Oh, <laughs> Scorpion took a dive over there. So now the battery's dead. Uh, can you <clears> see <throat> this thing? Oh, yeah. In my hands. Uh, listeners, he's holding up a miniature. Uh, well, it is a Mortal Kombat miniature cabinet, but it has Mortal Kombat 3 Scorpion on the sides. Yeah, instead of Johnny Cage, it's got Mortal Kombat 3 Scorpion on the sides. I forget where what who made this thing. I found it in the toy aisle. I found it in the toy aisle at Walmart. Not even like the video game section for like twenty dollars. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> and, and this, and it's you know fully playable. It is the Genesis version of Mortal Kombat with the dullard code and the blood code removed, so you can't access the blood because again, it was in the kids' aisle, right? Um, I took this little arcade thing to a couple of bars that I used to hang out at quite a bit, like to the patio bars. And this thing just got passed around. Everyone was taking turns. Everyone was having a blast with this thing. I took this to a, a party that a friend had. Strangers passing this thing around. Everyone's playing Mortal Kombat. Everyone's talking about it. And I think that that's the key to uh, whether you should play, seek out and play the Genesis version of Mortal Kombat now is how many people you got around, right? <laughs> like, you know, I think if you've got a party, if you've got uh, a roommate, if you've got a, a friend, a partner, whoever, who is also into this, I think if you find a copy of Mortal Kombat for the Sega Genesis, it is a great way to spend a weekend, right? And it is a, it is a great thing to have around for people. Even like if they're only going to play it for 10 minutes, like you're saying, it's still going to like scratch a nostalgia itch. And like you'd be surprised how much fun you can get out of it, especially if you got somebody else there. And especially if you're like, looking up the fatalities and everything. Like, I think it really can take you right back to, you know, spending the weekend at your friend's house, flipping through a game pro, trying to find all the special moves and everything like that. So, um, in terms of like pure home console ports versus, you know, emulating an arcade version, this is the one I think you want to seek out. Um, but yeah, like, it's you're right. It's not particularly easy to obtain. You know, you might get lucky, find a cartridge version at a game store or a pawn shop or something. And uh, I say go for it if you do. Right. I think you'll have a good time. But um, yeah, I don't know if I if you don't have access to Genesis, if you don't have access, if you don't have you know money to spend. You don't need to go out of your way for this thing. There are better versions of Mortal Kombat One that are pretty easily accessible, as you were saying. I'd, it's exactly so when you got up i was like all right so neil's gonna come back and he's gonna be bring <laughs> back some version of mortal kombat and he's like you're gonna tell me you're not gonna fucking play this game <laughs> yeah. well i mean be honest like if you like were at a party if you're at a bar i don't know where you hang out whatever 
and somebody handed you this thing and it was on and you're seeing like Scorpion and Raiden kicking the shit out of each other in the attract mode, are you not going to immediately grab that thing and start like trying to like remember the moves, right? Like this has been in like um, a gross number of people's hands. Like, <laughs> like I've lost track like of this that? thing. <laughs> it's just, just thinking like, this is like a fucking, like this probably has like beer spilled on it and all kinds of shit. Like, but it's a hit. I mean, everyone wants to, to check it. I mean, yeah, no one's going to say no to a game of Mortal Kombat if you give them the opportunity. I if guess, it was Mortal right, Kombat so. 2, I would be all in. I don't know. I've just I've just never been into this game and playing it again and just trying to it was fun for like again, like I said, ten minutes. We didn't talk a lot about the gameplay. And I mean Right. The computer I, you reading know, your inputs is not exactly fun. <laughs> no, but the computer reads your inputs in Mortal Kombat 2 also. So so we'll we can touch on that briefly. Because the Genesis version is a pretty faithful arcade port, that stuff all came with it. Right. So you still got a game that is designed to take your lunch money one quarter at a time. That's why I think I'm specifically recommending this version if you've got somebody else to play with. Yeah, I was going to say, unlike Neil, I have no friends to play the game with, so I would not <laughs> recommend that. No. <laughs> no, you'll get a, you'll get a friend. <laughs> Don't worry, it'll and happen. And then we can perform uh, friendships on each there other. There we go. Or something. In Mortal Kombat 2. Or 11. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean that's i mean i, I kind of do where you're gonna go with your recommendation here just based off of our, yeah. our conversation so wanted to end it on a little bit more of a, a positive note i suppose even though i don't think i was sure. overly negative or anything like that but no i think i think i have a very fair assessment of this game right it is not nearly as complex as uh, further entries and there are nowadays better versions of this game available right like you can get access to it. I think there's a pretty faithful arcade port on um, GOG.com, for instance, and it's usually like $4. So um, I guess one thing I do want to say about the Genesis version is, you know, I mentioned having this Retron 5 set up here next to my desk. So like when I'm working on stuff, sometimes I just need a distraction, right? Instead of taking a smoke break, I'll take a little game break. And if I'm doing that, It'll be one of two games usually. It'll either be Mortal Kombat for the Genesis or it'll be NBA Jam also for the Genesis. Those are games I can just spend a few minutes with and then come back to whatever I was doing. And for some reason, I can't do that with Mortal Kombat 2, even though I do like it a lot better. And I think it is just the simplicity of Mortal Kombat makes it something that's just a little bit more breezy, get in and out, you know, get to the pit stage, do the pit fatality, and then go back to what I'm supposed to be doing. I think that's also, I feel that way, but I feel that way about Mortal Kombat 2 because it is still very, it's still very much like the first game in a lot of ways, but yeah. just like a little, there's something about it. It's not only just the roster, the the roster being bigger, but it's just something about just the gameplay, the atmosphere of the game yeah it looks yeah absolutely i i've you know when i if i close my eyes and think mortal kombat i think mortal kombat 2 for sure and right. once you get to that third one which don't get me wrong i don't think that's a terrible game or anything like that but that's when it just kind of starts to lose me 
with some of uh, right. the Once, mechanics that are introduced in there. And um, yeah, the weird combo system and the run button and stuff. Yeah. 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 So uh, to me, like Mortal Kombat 2 is kind of that perfect distillation in, in my opinion. But I totally get what you're talking about with the with the original. Well, I, I, I agree with you. Mortal Kombat 2 is the sweet spot. But there there is I do enjoy the simplicity of Mortal Kombat 1. You know, especially when I'm because like, you know, Mortal Kombat 2 is a little bit more complex. There's more characters. There's more choice options. So if I'm playing with someone who hasn't really explored the series before, we'll go for Mortal Kombat 1 because there's just it's just more streamlined. Sure. Right. Yeah. And how many controllers did you break when uh, you played the Test Your Might minigame? <laughs> I've never <laughs> didn't even bring that. I've up, never but <laughs> never broken a controller in my life uh, outside of like wear and tear. Right. Uh, the only thing I have broken was the original Xbox DVD remote. Jesus. Okay. Wait. Yeah. Playing Mortal Kombat? Thing, <laughs> no. I don't know what it, I don't, it wasn't even like out of anger or anything, but some, I dropped it or something and it just fucking shattered. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't even rage. It was just like what to even beat those things. You literally oh. had to like hammer the controller with. Uh, Oh, I I can do the first one, and then I just fail the yeah, rest yeah. of them. I just don't even just let it go. <laughs> I can break the wood just fine. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of uh, hmm, breaking wood. All right, dick joke number three. Yeah, maybe I. I don't. I don't know what kind <laughs> kind of transition that was. Thanks for coming on, dude. Thanks for yeah. dropping all of this Mortal Kombat knowledge on me. Happy to be here. And uh, at this point, uh, the the floor is yours. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Sure. I uh, I plugged my. We kind of talked about my Mortal Kombat podcast up at the top. Of course, yeah. Um, it's called MK Podquest. You can find that at mkpodquest.com uh, or Twitter and Instagram at mkpodquest. Uh, I have another podcast. It is all about the Alien franchise, right? Alien, Aliens, Alien Three, Alien Resurrection. You know the stuff. Prometheus, Covenant, all that shit um i do that with my buddy kenny and we cover the way we're kind of doing this first year of the show is we started at the beginning of the movie timeline like the chronologically not release date so we started with prometheus and then in between movie entries we cover an assortment of things tied into one of the two one of the movies or that bridges the gap between the two so like those early ones was a lot of like deleted extended scenes, episodes and things like that. And some of the Dark Horse Prometheus comic books, et cetera. Uh, we've gone through Aliens, the film Aliens. And right now, this is kind of a long section, but like right now we're talking about the Mark for Haydn Aliens comics from 1988 that launched the Dark Horse series and are the first uh, and are a direct sequel to the movie Aliens, right? We also cover some other interesting things like the Alien original screenplay graphic novel adaptation, which is very different, but also very similar to the movie we got. So that's what we do. We talk about alien movies, video games, books, comic books, etc. And that show is called Crew Expendable. And you can find that at crewexpendable.net. Um, or to find links to both of those shows, as well as shows that some of my friends do, you can just go to Mortal Kombat Conquest.ca and find links to a bunch of stuff. Because uh, we bought that domain. I'll also make it incredibly easy for you all and include all of those in the show notes. 
Much appreciated. As for me, I'm on Instagram at Final Neil Retro. That's Neil with an A. And uh, I, I post my video game collection on there. I've kind of been sleeping on it for the past year. I'm not going to lie, but I'm hoping to just start posting there again soon. Good place to follow me because I share podcast links and stuff in the stories as well. And uh, Twitter at Final Neil, but I never, never tweet anything. So don't even bother, <laughs> honestly. Hey, that's fair, like, man. I, Twitter is uh, one of those things where it's if I didn't have a podcast, I probably wouldn't be using it. And even yeah. now, I I barely use it. So Right. I'm like, like Kenny tweets for Crew Expendable. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank God he's he's funny. <laughs> I'm just not a Twitter user. Never, never got the hang of it, you know. Well, I'm definitely going to be jumping on the uh, other podcast uh, for sure. Yeah, thank it you. also gives me a reason to revisit the Alien Alien movies. Also, I remember liking Prometheus when it came out, and then was like uh, when everybody was talking about it, I was like, "Oh, um, hmm, it, I guess people hate this movie." I I haven't yeah. been back since. So, so I'll tell you my controversial opinion. I wasn't expecting this. Like. My issue with Prometheus is that it it didn't want to be an alien movie, but it also wanted to trick us into thinking it was. And like, I wish they had just gone in a completely different direction with mm, it. Okay, you know, that's fair. I feel like they chickened out at the end by trying to shoehorn in references, like as if the audience wouldn't get it if that stuff wasn't there. I think it's a perfectly fine movie that has an amazing cast. Alien Covenant, I ended up absolutely loving when we watched it for the podcast, and I was not seeing that coming at all because i have a lot of issues with that movie so i barely remember it i remember yeah. seeing it or i know i saw it in theaters but i don't remember a damn thing from it <laughs> you're, you're gonna get a lot of controversial opinions from us on the alien franchise over on that show i'm so. ready for it i'm yeah. ready for it strap in uh, you guys uh Buckle you up. and Corey threw me uh through a loop uh what was it last week covering fucking sailor moon just oh, <laughs> out yeah, of man. the blue <laughs> Yeah, just because we we wanted to. Yeah, it was cool though. It was cool. I have a lot of nostalgia for Sailor Moon. I've been wanting to revisit Sailor Moon and um, do it. Just do it. It's fun. It's fun. Well, I've been I've been rewatching <laughs> uh, Pokemon of all things. Um, nice. And I should probably just stop because now it's just kind of just not good. <laughs> you get into like the weird years of Pokemon. Yeah, it starts out like it it kind of like when it begins it's a little more they have a little more like in jokes for adults kind of and they sure. have just like very good comedic timing but now it's just way it's getting way too much geared towards like 10 year olds you know so right. sailor sailor moon's good it's it's nice sometimes to just watch something i do need to watch the japanese version good, though. i i don't want to watch the the english yeah. dub so it is it is on hulu um, but it is also all free on Viz's YouTube channel if you're in North America or if you're in the United States. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, so, I'm definitely yeah, going to seek it out because, yeah, I've been wanting to dive back in and then just listening to uh, you guys talk about it. I was like, man, I I really <laughs> need to do the Yeah, need to do it sooner than later. Yeah, I guess, that, I guess that is a thing we do on MK Podquest is recently we sometimes we just do things tangentially related to Mortal Kombat and occasions like uh, the Sailor Moon episode. Just because we wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. And I was trying to find a some sort of line or Venn diagram in how Sailor Moon was related <laughs> to Mortal Kombat, one, but yeah. I, I couldn't think of anything either. We just wanted we just wanted to. I mean, we did Sonic Christmas Blast just because. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Corey kept bringing up the cartoon with the chicken robot. 
Like that wasn't even the one. Like that wasn't even the cartoon that had all the voice actors that were in Journey Begins. Like it was just the one he referenced the most. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, anyway, uh, yeah. Again, thanks for coming on, dude. I uh, yeah, really. Thanks so much for really appreciate it. I was super stoked when you said you you'd want to come on and do this. So yeah, this was a lot of fun. Uh, have me back anytime. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when you get to when you get to nights into dreams. Um, (laughs) that might be a Patreon episode, (laughs) but yeah, I look forward to it. I mean, you're welcome on anytime, man. It was great. Awesome. Thank you. As for next week, I'm going back into uh, licensed game. Hell. Uh, well maybe possibly. And Josh from still loading will be joining me on this episode for Tasmania, bro. (laughs) So until then, thank you guys so much for listening and always remember It's okay to like a video game. (laughs) Stay frosty. on the main quest podcast.